0: Welcome to the fourth episode of Genre Equality. Hey! Oh. My, oh. my name is Hidzir.
1: I'm Hardy. I'm I, Uh
0: And together we make up uh, this, I guess, kind of new podcast still. We are only sure. in our fourth episode. Yep. Uh, yep. But uh, hey, I'm glad to say, guys, that this has actually been catching on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Um, our last episode, uh, thanks to the 637 people who listened, or oh, I'm guessing more like half who listened more than once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when would they want to listen more than once? No, You're eh, like, half, half let's say time. you listen to it half Like oh, the first okay. 40 minutes And then you get tired And yeah. then you listen to the rest of it But that counts as two plays Because you click twice ah. yeah. yeah So I mean, you can't really uh, Agree with the stats, you know it's yeah, I mean, la, 600 odd la. 600 odd, well, let's just say 600 odd la. Which yeah. is now officially Our most listened to podcast yeah. More than our missed episode of Hot Hits Yeah, man Yeah That's it What? No, no, no Different, different, different It's still us, we,
1: we, we win or we win We win and we win. Shout out to our followers on Facebook Yes, Yay. yes.
0: Uh, some of you might have found uh, us on Reddit. I uh, don't, I don't know how that happened, but uh, that that's awesome, man. thanks for yeah, so thanks for sharing. from
1: Reddit, links. like welcome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, our first episode only got a hundred plus. Our second episode three hundred plus. But I think a lot of it had, was down to Black Panther last yeah. last mm. month. Third episode was four hundred, right? Third episode was 637 now that... Oh shit,
2: 600 Oh, okay Yeah Oh, sorry, second episode was what? For... Uh, 370
0: 300 plus, okay Yep um, So, um, I'm going to boil that down to The cultural phenomenon that was Black Panther Yep Yep. Yep. Um, it's still breaking records all over America and uh, Overseas Yeah. Uh, if I'm not wrong It's the highest grossing superhero movie of yes. all time yes, Right yes, now right. In America they've, at least Yeah, they've uh, overtaken Avengers They've overtaken Avengers Up. Uh, it domestically. Domestically, yeah. Yeah, they still have they still have a ways to go to overtake Avengers internationally. I think mm-hmm. they're still three hundred million behind. Yeah. So they may or may not. Uh, but it doesn't I'm, matter at this point. Dude, yeah. For a solo movie, yeah. The non-team up movie that's quite amazing, la. Exactly. So um, we're in the run up to Avengers Infinity War, but before then, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know I mean, uh, March has been a really good month for genre stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some good, some bad, and some meh. Mm. Uh, we're gonna start. Some meh some, yeah, some way man. We're gonna start with like one of my personal favourite uh, Of the bunch that we're talking about this week like, I think it's gonna be our, our major story mm. uh, Which is Annihilation Annihilation? Uh, before we get into it, let me break down what Annihilation is Annihilation is a psychological science fiction horror film mm-hmm. uh, It's written and directed by Alex Garland uh, It's his second directorial feature after Ex Machina But mm-hmm. he's written movies like Twenty Days Later, Never Let Me Go, Dread... Uh, and, and other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based off the novel of the same name by an author by the name of uh, Jeff, Jeff Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the film stars Natalie Portman, Jason G- uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, who's everywhere, and a bunch of others, including Os- Oscar Isaac. Yes. It's pretty much genre royalty at this moment. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, he is. Uh, it follows a group of military scientists who enter something called the Shimmer, which mm-hmm. is an extraterrestrial uh, environment that landed on Earth. Uh, a mysterious quarantine zone full of mutating landscapes and creatures. Uh, um, I still didn't get a chance to finish it this month, yep. but um, my my co-host Hardy has actually watched it. Uh, yep. What do you think of it? I liked it. Yeah. i was surprised that I liked it
2: actually because it was actually quite slow in the beginning.
0: Um. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When I mean, they were setting everything, oh, up, you,
0: were you expecting Independence Day? In a, a bit lah.
2: No, not really
0: <laughs> 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 They punch one of the big pictures. Welcome to our bitch!
2: I don't know, I just felt, oh, this is a bit plodding for like good half an hour. Hmm. Did um, you feel the same
0: way about other ex- Alex Garner movies like Ex Machina and stuff like yeah,
2: that? Yeah, Ex Machina also was particularly plodding in the beginning. Okay, yeah. Um, But uh, the action, uh, the the story did intensify quite a bit mm-hmm. past the th- once they, they entered the shimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, once they... You know, like the memory loss that they were suffering from. Yeah. It, it all felt very disorienting. Yeah. You yeah. felt as disoriented as him. Yeah. Then, uh the flashback sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh
0: but I thought it was really beautifully designed. Like yes. in terms of the the
2: mutations.
0: A lot of the mutation designs yeah. were taken from actual biological or cellular mutations. Mm-hmm. Uh so they kind of had that kaleidoscopic effect. Yeah, was, in real life. La. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Um The action was spot on actually. Yes, yes. It yeah. was a bit um
0: action adventure it was a bit horror yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, the horror element though that mm. was surprising to me
0: oh it was actually built as a horror movie yeah i didn't
2: read anything before right, before right. watching this you went in fresh I Went in fresh yeah okay. okay so when when i i saw the, the the elements of horror i was like holy shit this is actually pretty good yeah um i mean the whole bear dude the bear that the
0: bear uh, talks. <laughs> what the fuck it's a bit like um there? i'm guessing it's a parrot bear it it, it, it yeah like like it, it makes the sound of, uh, I don't know lah. Like. Yeah, but it was me making the sound of uh people dying, dying. people who it were, were killing, yeah. and it was frightening as fuck. Oh, There's a bit of a alien homage also with uh the the mouth of the bear right next to the girls. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a very oh, Ripley-esque right. image. Sure. Uh. It's Let's
2: great. It's great. That scared the shit out of me for a
3: while.
0: Yeah. What What really scared me? I mean, spoiler alert, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the the final scene where uh. um the doppelganger or the the copy yeah. of a uh, Nancy Portman? Yeah. Uh, where you thought it was trying to block her, but it was actually just mimicking, mimicking her whatever she was doing? Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, but that was that was creepy as fuck to me, la. It was. Uh, the CGI could have been worked on. Yeah, yeah, but like <laughs> I think it was purposely Purposely done that way? Not yeah, because yeah. It, it added to this disturbing discombu this combi- this effect. Uh, mm. Good uh, word. Yeah. Yeah. You love that word, right? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's fantastic. I thought, I mean, similar to Hardy. Let me echo. It's 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 gorgeous. Yeah. At times frightening. Uh, at times hypnotic. Yep. Uh, it was like this cosmic mind trip kind of thing, mm. Um I like eco horror movies, mm. uh, and there haven't really been many uh, eco ecological horror movies out yeah. there. Mm. But it's also part philosophical sci-fi. It is. Yeah. Um, so Alex Garland kind of crafts this like visceral but ambiguous existential dread. Yeah, which some people didn't like. Yeah. yeah But uh, it's Because it was too dreamlike It was too kaleidoscopic It, was, yeah. uh, it wasn't straightforward yep, it, was, um, it was opaque like, And open to interpretation mm-hmm. Which I particularly like In my films But some people I may it. not Yeah, yeah I uh, I it. I, I'm cool with it it's, it's surreal It's surreal Like you said like, it's, The visuals are all breathtaking mm-hmm. The cells dividing The strange yeah. mutated beings yeah. And stuff uh, and I like even the clever cinematic language that went uh, about the creature visuals. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, the whole movie was about the refraction of the soul or yeah. the refraction of yourself. And I like the like for example particular images like when Oscar Isaac first comes back mm-hmm. to the house and you see his wedding ring refracted to water, yeah. as if to say that this is a refraction of your husband, not not uh, being your husband. Yeah, so I like metaphorical images like mm-hmm. that. Is is yeah. very cool. Um, and you
2: found it throughout the film
0: actually. Yes, yes, exactly yeah. like, I was just like kind of picking up one one clear example of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, the effects of the shimmer it affects like flora and fauna in different ways. Like the the flora that were growing as human beings, you know, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. shape of human beings, was really um haunting. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I didn't know what to think about that. it it scared me, but it was beautiful at the same time. I that's
2: why I felt, that haunting would be a nice word for it, lah. Mm. Um, especially when like Tessa Thompson's character, mm. I can't remember their names for the life of me now. Yeah, but like as she walked. None away... of them were actually named in the book. They created names for the movie. Oh, yeah. okay. So anyway, yeah. As she uh, Anya, maybe that's her name. Anya Anya, one of these is Anya, right? Oh sure. Yeah okay. <laughs> I know there's a shepherd. <laughs> yep 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 yep. That's yep. So anyway, When she like walks away, she was slowly. Mutating mm-hmm. uh, Progressively Right All the plants Are growing out of her And all that mm-hmm. And then she just Walks away mm-hmm. And you don't really See her die or no. Transform
0: Yeah She just disappears Yeah I also like how The effects of the shimmer It kind of Brings out who Who you really are As a person Like she was a biologist Or a, um, a botanist You're talking about Natalie uh. Bartman, mm-hmm. right No I'm talking about Tessa Thompson's character oh, Tessa So Thompson. therefore okay. she'll be Attracted to becoming A plant A plant sir yeah. uh, So to speak or Gina Rodriguez character, uh-huh. who, who actually is the new Carmen Sandiego? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's she's that. voicing Carmen Diego in the cartoon on Netflix, and she's playing, playing the live the actually, action movie. Crazy, anyway, but she plays uh, the complete opposite of Carmen Diego yeah. in this one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I like how what like, you know her fear and her trauma kind of brought up her more monstrous side, and she yeah. did become the monster by the end, she, also she, she was the one who tying the ghosts up. Tying everybody up. up yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like stuff like that. Um, let's talk about one of the aspects that is kind of divided. Uh, the fan base or or film buffs in general mm-hmm. was the fact that Paramount Pictures decided to uh, not release this in cinemas overseas. Ah, okay. Um, due to test screenings, they yeah. felt that the movie was too intellectual for audiences. Uh-huh. Uh Based on uh, I guess feedback like that yeah, they got yeah. from focus groups and stuff, uh, and seeing the box office in America or in Canada, uh, it seems that they were right. They were yeah. Um, so do you do you feel that they made the right decision to not release this in cinemas? Well, overseas. For my, I felt that. Okay, looking through the catalogue of Netflix uh,
2: movies, mm-hmm. the ones that they bought like okay like Bright. Yeah. For Bright is like nowhere close to Annihilation. Or Meek. Or Field Paradox. Oc- oh my god, okay. yeah. those are all bad yeah. sci-fi movies. Yep. So having Annihilation in their catalogue, right, uh, it first increases the stock. Sure. Uh, I felt that they made the right choice in buying it, and I understand why the studio's sold it to netflix mm. but then i kind of want to
0: see it on the big screen
2: yes yeah
0: yes i was very disappointed because a lot of the visuals and especially the sound design by um i forgot their names but the the hit members yeah who did the the score for this it mm. was ex- um, exceedingly creepy la. yeah agree, and uh, a, a bit like johan johans's score which should be experienced in a in a big screen because yeah. if you remember watching Ar- things arrival. like arrival or sicario there is a kind of creepy effect That I wanted to have I had like some goosebumps Watching it on my computer laptop But half your mind was like Oh man, I wish this was in the theater Yes, I wish I had been immersed In the the, the visuals and the sound Yeah, same uh, It seems like a very immersive movie Like Alex Garland himself Particularly He isn't like Spielberg Or Scorsese who hates streaming Or who thinks that streaming We shouldn't be competing in Cannes Or stuff mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that
1: He's the object of the time
0: Yeah, but uh, Alex Garland Like he says that Some of his favourite uh, works Of genre fiction Like uh, The Handmaid's Steel And stuff comes on streaming But yep. he doesn't have an issue that like, He just that they had told him was gonna be released on Netflix. You are shot it differently mm, yes. because the the aspect ratio is different, uh, and yeah. the the cameras that he uses and stuff, which is Quite a shame. Right. Yeah, um, it's a pro and a con because I feel like the releasing on Netflix uh, ensures that it gets more viewers than it would have n-
2: in international waters.
0: Uh. Yeah, uh, then if it had released in cinemas, maybe a quarter of the audience would have seen it. I agree, it. Yeah. but Netflix is so convenient, right? Yeah, but at the same time, also I I just on a pure, purely selfish level, I I can't I can't
1: yeah, like I, I can't stand that I didn't get to see it in a big screen. Yeah. 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 I, I mean like I, I only got half an hour of thing even before they went into Shimmer and I already had that feeling where but you know the thing about Netflix is that it's so convenient, you watch it in the comfort of your home. Yeah. I mean, some of you might have like huge TVs and stuff like that, but it really did break the um just your ability to focus mm-hmm. on the movie itself and I think with the kind of detail that Garland was putting into the movie, that's something that the movie deserves Yeah. You know? But it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a uh, less of two evils, I guess. Yeah, rather thought, than it being can entirely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, so.
2: yeah, it it's heavy content. Yeah, that's for sure. And I did take a few breaks, la, you know, pause the movie, go and get mm. myself some coffee, and like to
0: yeah to like think about what I just saw. Yeah. And then I go into it again. Because it was uh there's a lot of metaphor in it, yeah. and you you can It's it's like literature like, you You kind of pondering over a line yeah. uh, for a long time exactly. and then you move so, on to the next line. Exactly so. That that that's what that's a pro of having Netflix is that mm. you right.
2: can take your time, break it down a bit, mm. and then experience the the meaningfulness of the movie. Sure, so, sure. You know that kind of. Thing. Whereas
0: with it was box office or in a cinema, you might have to have buy two or three tickets, yeah, which yeah. would have been great for two it's or three offer. yeah viewings, viewings la, Yeah. La. yeah. Uh, which is all well and good. Uh, um, I I particularly don't mind that it was on Netflix on the whole, uh, because yeah. it made it a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, hopefully, maybe like somewhere like the project- a release, right, would be great. Like the projector or something, yeah, it'll you know, be dope, yeah. uh, Maybe it would be good to watch it on the big screen. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I guess let's move on to uh, Jessica Jones. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Jessica Jones uh, entering its second season this March. Mm-hmm. It's uh, based on you know obviously the Marvel Comics character yeah. created by Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a Neo-noir Female-driven detective story with a bit of superheroics in it. Um, This second season, right, uh, kind of broke new ground in in terms of television because um, all of his directors were female, Female. uh, which was uh, an impressive feat. uh, One of the few, I guess, a lot of people like to tout, you know, oh, this movie is diverse, that movie is diverse, but it's only a a kind of a yeah, uh, lip service. Oops, sorry. uh, In terms of maybe just casting. Or maybe just one uh, minority character, but uh, Jessica Jones actually went above and beyond to uh, have representation behind the screen as well as in front of the screen. Yeah, uh, but that's but that's just the making of Jessica Jones. Uh, uh, speaking as pe- people who have seen Jessica Jones, uh, what do you think of it? Uh, just purely on content,
1: um, the show itself. I will we'll start with Isa. Wow, well, I struggled through the first half of the season. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest; like I thought it was really, really plodding. Uh, and it was only really after the uh, the flashback episode, right? Mm-hmm. And then and things sort of picked up from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like how it ended. I thought it was very neat in the way they done. But I don't really see what the point mm-hmm. of the first four episodes were. Correct. You know, like um, even if you wanted to establish character, you want to establish this post-Purple Man Jessica Jones, this post- Defenders Jessica Jones mm. right of which there was very little kind of like relevance mm. to, to Defenders
0: anything. I'm actually glad that they didn't reference Defenders too much yeah. because it didn't affect her yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: you know but uh, e- even then right like uh, no no kind of like mention of any of the other superheroes or even Luke Cage for example uh, and I, th- I wanted a bit of that Mm-hmm. you know and I thought like with 4 episodes that you're gonna go and try to kind of rebuild this post-Puple Man world for mm-hmm. her I mentioning it a few you times. might as well you know like add those things in but it's a fair enough point that you don't you want it to be a bit more focused and, and so on mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah 4 episodes worth of world building that could easily have been done in 1 or even 2 for that matter mm-hmm. you know and getting into the main plot uh point itself um, but I did enjoy it I did enjoy the relationships that it explored this time round. Yeah. I thought uh Jerry's character this season was uh, amazing in yep. terms of her, her the character growth and like kind of like seeing where she's going with all the hope and fear with her um, medical condition. Mm. Um uh,
0: yeah, um in particular Jerry Hogarth was my favourite of the side characters. Yeah, her for story sure. felt a bit more compelling than even some of the main plots. Yeah, yeah. So I, the one I the ELS, right? Yeah. Yes, spoiler alert, sorry.
1: Yeah. Um so I r- is it really a spoiler alert? Not really, like, Not you really? kind of discovered yeah, it in the third in episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, I really did enjoy that. I felt like the supporting characters uh, really did play a big role uh, this season. Mm-hmm. But, oh god, Trish Walker's character is so fucking annoying.
0: Yeah, but um, unlike last season, I felt like this was on purpose. Yeah. It was a, a Hilton la, for her, that as we it. say <laughs> in Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of understand the need for that, yeah. but I felt that a lot of her motivations weren't fleshed out properly, mm. right? So, yeah, you, you live with a horrible mother, and you've wanted to be special your whole life, and you've got a, a adopted sister who has powers, but so what, right? Like, mm. how... What was, what's the what's the gap that they, they there's this gap that they needed to bridge between like her desire to be special and her desire for wanting powers, mm. which is like basically the whole second half, mm. right? It drives the story for the whole second half, and I didn't quite get that from the way that they put it together. You know, it cool. still felt like something purely mechanical, mm. uh, as opposed to something more plot or even character driven.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I. I. I kind of see your point in that. Um. I I actually kind of enjoyed Trisha's Hilton because um, I like that it was done purposefully instead of like last season where she was just annoying accidentally yeah. mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I think the whole her wanting powers thing was just them doing a metaphor for drug addiction yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which is why she connected with um, the other guy like Jessica's assistant yeah. uh, associate. As- oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> associate uh sorry associate detective uh yeah so it's when you're an addict right uh it really put i've known some addicts in real life and and how she behaves is actually quite spot on with Mm -hmm. how addicts behave Mm. um you think that you've turned a corner but like as with any junkie or recovering addict you can always relapse and she relapses frequently Mm. yeah uh and every time she relapses it gets worse and worse and worse to the point where in the finale i don't i kind of want to spoil it but she does something so horrible that is uh it's it's irre- irreconcilable uh, with yep. their schedule yep. so it, re- it affects the the their relationship permanently mm-hmm. um so I thought that was quite good uh um, speaking of um villains yep. uh, there was no one as animatic or as mysterious or as compelling as Kilgrave this season yeah yep. uh but what they did re- what they did do was replace uh uh david Tennant's character yep. uh, Kilgrave with uh a villain with more personal stakes mm. which is yep. um Spoiler alert really villain? Uh, she yeah. antihero. hero uh, Antagonist Antagonist Antagonist, yeah, antagonist okay, uh, okay. And um, I kind of don't want to spoil who Janet McTeer is Because Janet McTeer's character a, It's a big, it's, 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 a big it's, it's a big reveal It's, a, big it's reveal. a huge reveal But once you find out who she is And that was like, there was actually the moment that got me hooked yeah, uh, yeah, But yeah. the, the thing is it came in the 6 or seven episode Exactly So that was like 7 hours of my life uh, Until I got hooked
2: What's the payoff of it? Uh
0: well, Yes, Okay. It, I, I feel like, unlike other Marvel shows, Marvel Netflix shows mm-hmm. to be specific, They start off hot, you know, the first two, three episodes kick off with a bang and then they whimper. Yeah. At least with Jessica Jones, the way it was paced was that the last four to five episodes were incredible. It picked up the pace tremendously. Yeah, it did. And I've always personally felt that's how you should pace the show. But upon seeing Jessica Jones, maybe not. Because I feel like with something like Luke Cage, that was great for the first four episodes. And then the last nine episodes were kind of shit. Mm. But at least you have the investment on the first four episodes. You care yeah. enough already. Yeah. But great. with Jessica Jones, you stand the risk of losing your audience immediately. Or yeah. at least within the first few hours. Yeah. And then they won't see the payoff. Yeah,
1: I've had a couple of friends who dropped out in like episode three or episode four. Just Me, because like nothing I dropped great. out.
0: Yeah. No, I dropped out. I was busy. La. Yeah, but still, you
1: know. it's. Uh, I wish... It had come earlier. I wish they had spent more time on the second half, right? Mm. The ramp that they had for the last four episodes could have been spread out a bit more. Yeah. You know, uh, I would have definitely wanted to see more of the relationships that Jessica is struggling with mm-hmm. and her trying to reconcile uh, her her loneliness mm-hmm. her isolation. I felt a lot like a lot of those things could have been given more time had they not been so plodding for the first, you know, uh, five episodes or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, to talk about plus points, uh, like you mentioned, Jerry Hoagles, yeah. I, I thought her ALS diagnosis, her breakdown, um, the way that she took pride in what she had built in herself, and her response to being conned, yeah. uh, like by them. a couple of people, yeah, uh, was uh, the the con itself was a great story. The con itself and, was a great story, and yes. I take a lot of pride in in seeing cons coming, but I did not see that one coming. Yeah, um, I thought her retaliation to that con was actually quite quite brilliant, quite brilliant and very dark as yes, well. Yes. Um, and my heartbreak for her was palpable, uh, and I wanted her to get one over in them, and she yep. did. But when she did, I was like, ah, oh, oh. she kind of lost her soul here. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean,
1: it puts her in, in this grey area, right? Uh, yep. In terms of her, her featuring um in the Netflix, Marvel oh. Netflix universe, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, given that she's also involved with Rand. In, she's also involved with Jessica, mm. and uh, he saw Daredevil. he
0: saw a bit of um who was um Daredevil's partner, uh, uh,
1: Foggy. Foggy, yeah, Foggy yeah.
0: came in like for a couple of minutes Wind. in one episode. Yeah, uh-huh. which is great,
1: and like she's deeply involved uh, yeah. with 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 the Defenders stuff that's going on, and of course eventually she will be leading the Defenders, mm-hmm. um, kind of like legal side of things, right? Yeah. Um, but
0: you would think that a lawyer and the Defenders would do that, but yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> he needs yeah. to fight, bro. He needs to fight. Right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah so uh it's been, it's pretty good uh I would still recommend Jessica Jones uh just a fair warning that you do need to brave
0: yeah there there is a fair amount of investment you have to put in before you start paying off yeah. okay. but uh, i i do have to say that if you stick around with it the payoff is quite handsome, yes, so how do you recommend it? It's just recommended. It's just recommended. recommended. So recommended. Um, and if you do drop out within the first six episodes, I understand uh, and I don't yep, blame you. Yeah. Okay, but go if you do stick it through, um, Hadi has seen the first half. Yeah. Uh, but it, like I mean, speaking to Hadi and for all of you who have only like made it halfway or struggling through it, keep if, at it. Keep at it, lah. If it's it's worth it, lah. In the end, yeah. The payoff yeah. right is, is, is worth it, Um, I did I did want to speak about how these Marvel Netflix shows, uh, kind of have the burden of serialization on them. Yep. Yeah. A uh, lot of TV shows have forgotten, especially in the premium cable era or yeah. the or the streaming era, have forgotten how to do episodic television. And if you want to do 13 episodes with Jessica Jones, it doesn't entirely need to be about this one plot. Lah, to be entirely serialized. Yeah. I feel that, as specifically with her job as a PI, it could have led to a lot of... Be a
2: procedural kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Maybe not everything procedural, but... At least four or five of those episodes could have been one-off cases. Yeah. Like for example, I don't know, Luke Cage. Uh, oh, uh, this kid in Harlem is saying, Can you help me like, find him? And that could be one episode. Yeah, yeah. Or like Danny Rand, it's like, oh, somebody's been investing money for my company. Can you mm-hmm. help me like, figure it out who it is? And then at least it, it gives you some small mini bits of enjoyment. Amongst the yeah. slog, Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, I get that. Uh, a, a nice capsule of a story. There was some hints of that being a good possibility, especially like in the in the sequence where she's just like interviewing for jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I wanted them to take it in that direction, but yeah. like clearly it was it was just a One small tux. segue into the bigger part of the story.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my, my personal like biggest takeaway from the schedules is like, I I like its depiction of psychological trauma, and how they got it right because. Just because she killed Kilgriff doesn't mean that she the trauma is magically mm, gone. La. There's yeah, no catharsis yes, from it. Like she yes. did get a small amount of catharsis, but trauma doesn't work like that. It lingers with you for a long time. And like The Punisher, this show deals with a different kind of trauma. La. Uh I, I like that. But it's it's uh it's so dark edgy and its characters are so purposefully difficult that it can be a bit of an endurance test to like them lah, and yeah. they're so unlikable yeah. nevertheless the complexity and characterization pays off well in the end mm-hmm. yeah. um, I like the mother-daughter relationship aspect mm-hmm. of it with Trish and uh, with Jessica Jones and I can't say how that comes about yes, because it's yep. too big of a spoiler yep. but you'll you, you get a kick out of it la and, and last of all Jessica Jones would never work without Kristen Ritter yep. Kristen Ritter is amazing she's so he, important to pulling the show off yeah, yeah. yeah. The show would be so hard to watch If she didn't play Jessica's ass foolishness With such charisma mm, uh,
3: yeah.
0: And Kristen, Kristen Ritter Is the thing that keeps you coming back um, You didn't like Trisha's Hilton I, I really liked Trisha Hilton I thought she was such an asshole When she yeah. When okay, she Convinced the... Malcolm To take drugs um, Basically an inhaler yeah, To take yeah, drug. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then she was, she was Encouraging a recovering drug addict To take drugs I was yeah. like oh my god yeah. How My god That was so fucked up man <laughs>
1: No I But I think that's pretty interesting, right? Because because at the end of the day, like Malcolm's story parallels Trisha's um, struggle as well because mm-hmm. they're both fellow addicts, you know. Yes. And I love I love Jessica's line where by like sticking your dick into anything that moves is the same as sticking a needle in your arm. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I love that line. The delivery was great. Yeah, I had to pause and, and then clap. Okay, mm-hmm. it's really really solid burn, uh, but yeah um the Hilton, i understand it mm. i appreciate what it did for the story but still such an annoying character though. yeah um
0: as as like maybe we say in our other podcast that uh, this was a pure heel uh. there, yeah. there there is no and nothing cool about her yeah there's not like killgrave you kind of like because he was kind of cool yeah yeah. and he was kind of deep and complex but with trish she was yeah, just a pure heel uh. pure head, uh. uh. yeah pure hatred and i like that as an actress She was willing to Kind of lean into it Sure, sure And uh, definitely did <laughs> and, and some of the times When she looked kind of silly Trying to look fierce and stuff I I kind of felt That it was done on purpose To make her even more annoying
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, oh. Nef- speaking of that Netflix released The music video for Cray uh, Cray
0: Yeah I uh, saw the pop-up video Apparently The music video Initially the idea was For uh, them to dress up as crayfish would have been, Which yeah. would have been Even more hilarious <laughs> This is a Cray Cray the most annoying song I've ever yeah. heard <laughs> And once you get to the flashback episode, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on to um, Ready Player One, uh, which is, I guess, the biggest uh, sci-fi genre blockbuster that we have mm. out in cinemas this this month. Yeah. Uh, my co-hosts, um, Hadi and Isa, have not seen it, nope. so I'm probably just gonna give a small non-spoiler review of it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. back. Spiel-
1: is Spielberg back that's that's a tough let's lay down the
0: groundwork first um, Ready Play One is obviously based on a novel by Ernest Klein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh the novel for lack like of a better term is Nostalgia Porn okay uh, yeah yes and
1: also uh, difficult to get through uh,
0: because it it kind of okay I- I'll explain why this movie is better than a novel yeah, in, yeah, in a yeah, bit yeah. <clears <clears so um, Steven Spielberg you asked <clears throat> is he back so while Steven Spielberg has found a uh, modicum not a modicum, uh, great success yeah. with serious films over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Munich, uh, Lincoln, uh most recently the Post. Yep. Uh some very Oscar beatty films. Those who have been craving a return to his crowd pleasing fantastical roots. like Joyce Park You yeah, you'll get your wish with this one. Alright. Oh, like Ready Player One is just pure no uh, pure nostalgic sugar rush. Oh nice. Yeah. Just pure it's it's thrilling, it's engrossing, it's dynamic, uh and it, it does that even beyond its pop culture cameos. Uh, but don't, don't get me wrong, la. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's a celebration of pop culture and shared experiences. Uh, your, your appetite for that may, may vary, mm-hmm. but I personally got a kick out of it. It's, it's, a, it's a sugar rush.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I loved it. La. It was a rollicking adventure that kind of stays true to the spirit and magic of Ernest Klein's bestseller, but isn't a straight adaptation. Um, the timeline is switched up, some stuff is wholly invented and other stuff is condensed. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind her. But but um, fans of the book might. Yeah. I personally wasn't that big of a fan of the book, so I felt that Spielberg did a lot to improve upon um, a novel that could have been unfilmable, yeah. or is was too wrapped up in its own uh, nostalgia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was even a sequence inside and I'm going to say that this is going to end up being my favourite sequence of all time, in, mm-hmm. in 2018 at least. Like. Okay. Uh, there's a sequence where basically they entered The Shining. Okay. Oh, oh, it was a oh. short by short recreation of The oh, Shining. Shining. And it's, which is it's my favourite sequence, it's, it's amazing. It kind of also alludes to how Stephen King hates Shining, the, Shining. the movie because people yeah. change details. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of Steven Spielberg is doing that as an allegory about how he changed this book. Yeah. Um so it, it not only functions as a love letter to a horror movie yeah. and to the 80s but and also as a criticism of himself. <laughs> uh it's very meta in that way wow. and and the, this movie has uh, multiple levels of meta. La.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, um Spielberg is a master manipulator of hmm. emotion and I some of you may think that's a bad thing but I think emotional manipulation is just good writing. Yeah, yeah. You're you. supposed to manipulate emotion and Spielberg does that very well. La. The way he uh manipulates emotions though is a nuanced uh-huh. Uh But it's got them effective in its broad strokes, lah. Mm. Uh, he makes me feel like a child again. Okay. You you brought up Jurassic Park. Um, uh, this this I hate the the movie magic, because mm-hmm. it seems so corny. <laughs> yeah. But this really feels like movie magic. Uh-huh. Like I felt like I was ten, watching Jurassic Park in the cinema again. I, I was swept up in the wonder. And it's thrilling. It's engrossing. It isn't deep or anything. Like it isn't nuanced. There isn't uh. Uh, like It isn't like Annihilation uh, Where you have yeah, to like Pause and then like Have a sip of coffee And think, contemplate like, uh, And contemplate the The, the gravity <laughs> of the situation <laughs> like. But it's 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 great uh, Big screen popcorn fun Oh right um, Admittedly It's a bit too long oh. It lacks subtlety In its message Which although was good Was a bit heavy handed mm-hmm. Okay uh, Made me roll my eyes Towards the end a bit uh, <laughs> It's just too black and white la. Okay. Uh but that, that that that's fine to me. It it, it, it is no no subject it doesn't pretend to be anything else. Okay. Uh but what I loved was that they never stopped to go get the references. If you caught it, good. If not, if not, move, not on. move on. And uh the story is good enough that you don't need to catch all the references. Mm-hmm. You do you don't need to see, Oh my god, that's Serenity from Firefly, oh my god that's uh the Jurassic Park uh Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh okay. uh, or stuff like that. You don't need to know the references because the story itself will, will keep moving. Okay. And the book itself, right? The book uh one of the biggest flaws of the book was that it stopped to preen over its own uh mm. cleverness. Mm. Oh yeah. look at this, this is the night rider. Look at that, that is Kip you know, and stuff like that. Mm. Uh the movie never stops. That that I liked. Okay. Um I thought the acting was just so so. Mm. Uh Ben Bendelson, who is basically just playing a variation of his Star Wars character, the the the, the evil corporate overlord. <laughs> oh, okay. La. Uh Ty Sheridan is serviceable. Okay. Um I really like Lena Wave. Mm. Uh, who, for those of you who don't know, wrote the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None. Well, okay. uh, she has a new show out on Showtime now called The She, yeah. uh, which is basically her take on The Wire, la, but just set in Chicago. It's not as good as The Wire, but she's trying. <laughs> uh, she's a fantastic writer, I, and I thought she does... She almost plays like a Kevin Hart, Eddie Murphy kind of role here. Okay. But I'm glad yeah. that it's given to a female black protagonist instead of just hiring Kevin Hart. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Um... Favorite character is Olivia Cook's character.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, my only little problem was in the she's supposed to be ugly. Like because like you're in a simulation, this yep. avatar simulation in uh-huh. virtual reality, so she meets Ty Sheridan's character, and Ty Sheridan's character falls in love with her Avatar. Yeah. But she's saying like this is not really me, you 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 don't know anything about, about me. Um I'm only representing what I want to be represented. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, the best aspects of myself. But like, once yeah. you meet me in real life, you might not like what you see, blah blah blah. Yeah. So they kind of made a big deal about how she's like unlikable or ugly or whatever. Yeah. But then, like when you meet her in real life, right? She's Olivia Cook with just a like, small red birthmark on her eye, and that's supposed to represent what how ugly she is. But she looks fucking hot as shit. Uh. Hollywood, man <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't understand how that makes you ugly, sir. Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. So this is a ho- quote-unquote Hollywood ugly, la. Okay. Oh, yeah. Very nice. If if Olivia Olivia. Well, that made me roll my eyes. Yes, it did. It made me roll my eyes as well. <laughs> if if Olivia Cook was ugly, right? <laughs> what the hell? What, uh, what the, the hell? Are we? The, yeah. What hope <laughs> would the rest of us have? <laughs> It's so fucking sad. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah, um, but in the end, like I, I really want to re-watch this movie. So, I mean, if you guys are watching... Yeah, yeah let's uh, watch it together
1: again. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely
0: catch it. It's before. a fun show, right? But as I did mention, there are its flaws. Like. Okay. There are some noticeable flaws and you can't think too much about it because there are some plot holes in there. Alright. Uh, but at the same time, it's just uh, Spielberg at his 80s best. Like. Hmm. Crop-piecing uh, best. Not that good, but yeah. he kind of recaptures some of that magic. Like. Alright, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Uh... Let's move on to a show that we all kind of really, really, really like. Which is? Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, mm-hmm. 100
2: episodes? Uh, Wait, 100, 100, 100 episodes? Wow, 1000 episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Full, how long has it been?
0: It's if, if, 20 over here. Yes! <laughs> this isn't days of our lives. Eh? Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aurora. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyway, um,. We were talking about Jessica Jones earlier about Marvel Television. We've yeah. we've covered Runaways before, yeah. Uh, and we've also spoken about Agents of Shield before in our very first episode. Mm-hmm. And I am I the only one who so is caught up? Uh, has caught up with uh. Yeah,
2: you the, you are the one that right caught up.
0: All right, I'll, I'll I guess I fill you in lah. Fill yes. us in what has been happened. But but I am going to say for those of you who are not watching Agents mm-hmm. of Shield, and I know a lot of you aren't.
1: Please 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 please.
0: Yeah, please watch it because. A lot of you are on the, you know the Netflix hype train. Let's watch the Net- let's watch the Punisher, the Jessica Jones, uh, the Luke Cage, or oh dude do Runaways, a prestige drama on on Hulu. Fuck that shit, man. Comes the-
2: back to network television,
0: Agents of Shield is the shit. It okay. is it is literally the best superhero show ever. Okay. Uh, when I watch it on Saturday mornings in in Singapore, because I mean, it's on Friday night, i like, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Whenever I watch every episode of Agents of Shield, right, I keep thinking, why the fuck am I watching the CW shows? <laughs> like, the CWDC shows, like are nothing close to this level of storytelling. Okay, and it's so fast paced. We're yeah. talking about how Jessica Jones drags, right? Like, one episode of Agents of Shoot has more plot development than two seasons of Jessica Jones. Oh, and they, and you keep thinking they're going to keep running out of steam, but the pace keeps getting faster and faster and faster. Wow. And I think, to me, it's the threat of cancellation. Yeah. Because yeah. they're always on the bubble, so they're always like, let's cram in as much before we get the plot So exposed, Disney right? kind of blocked ABC from cancelling them, right? Yeah, but they can only do it for so long. Who yeah. knows what will happen after this season, you know? Okay. So they're trying to cram, like, multiple seasons for, for story into one season. Okay. And because of that, it just never... There's never a slog, right like. There's never a dull moment. It's okay. like, oh shit, this is happening, that's happening, that's happening, that's happening. Just in case, this is gonna be spoiler heavy. Um, I'm yeah, I'm trying to keep it like as spoiler light as possible. Yeah, but just in case, spoiler but alert, like. It is
1: a episode 8 You yeah. have to spoil. God, I really want to
2: know. Yeah. Because the last the last few episodes that I've watched, uh, they went they they went they went to the future. Oh. Correct. Mm-hmm. Earth was destroyed. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly by Daisy. By uh, supposedly by Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, They were trying to They were The, Krees, the Kree? Kree The Kree The yeah. Kree had taken over Cassius and
0: uh, His sidekick Sinara Who is yeah. a great villain yes. that, that, that was like Ish where I stopped Okay okay What's been happening since then? Right Um. As Hardy mentioned The first half of season 5 Is spent dealing with A lot of time travel loopiness yeah. and A lot of uh, complex Time travel theory Which ish. I
2: thought They did it quite well
0: they... I actually had to write down Because um, yeah. apparently This is their like thousand loop Or something They've been traveling to the past trying to stop the thing or traveling to the future trying to stop it and traveling back to the past yeah. and they keep going in this infinite loop and they've never been able uh, to stop the apocalypse yeah, uh. okay. but this, this is the one time I, I'm sure they'll find a way to break the loop therefore the season la. therefore the season, la. exactly la. Mm. Um, so I like the whole post-apocalyptic world building at first, You know, the space station, the lighthouse yep. I like the the fascist inhuman trafficking tree uh, it keeps the story very busy and it gives you a tangible villain to fight against even yep. as you're dealing with these big metaphysical mm. things um I also like how the show has a lot of reverence to its internal legacy. Okay. There's a lot of callbacks, for example. Like uh the person who forced, who foretold the future and yeah. sent them to the to the future was yeah. uh, the inhuman robin who you met in season two. In two okay. Yeah. Uh, you know the the daughter of the guy who who touches you and you could see how you die. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the the episode of Daisy. Like yeah. it was his daughter that yeah, is it was daughter. the one who foresaw this. So I like that I didn't expect uh, that character to come back, you know. Okay. You meet him as a young And as an old woman In the mm. future as well um, Kesayas as I mentioned Ended up being A really really cool antagonist um, mm. And I even kind of Sorted I sort of rooted for him Towards the end of his arc la,
3: Because
0: he became really uh, Okay he wasn't good But they introduced His dick brother Who's just uh. such an asshole That I was like Yeah I think I like Casayas Like Better In comparison to this mm. yeah. it, It's almost as if Trish from Jessica Jones Was his brother <laughs> And I'm like Yeah Fucking kill him Kesayas I'm rooting for you now uh but also in contrast to the stuff that was happening in space and in the future, you also had a bit of a flashback to um Fitz, what was happening in the real world. Mm, <clears throat> yes. Uh so the Fitz spotlight episode gave us the return of Hunter. Uh oh. you know. Um he hasn't been seen in two seasons. In a while, yeah. Yeah. I was hoping Bobby would come back, but she's busy on the orbital, so I guess you know. No, oh, that's fine. She can not do it. Uh and it also introduced a great new real world villain called General Hill. Oh. Yeah, uh who is a ruthless antagonist that is earthbound. So it kinda makes a feel more tangible in mm. the present day. It feels like a more present threat okay. uh. yeah. Uh then this, this is what Fitz has to deal with la. deal with before he goes into the future. Into the future. Okay. And how he goes into the future is the long is the old fashioned way. La. Like he doesn't time travel into the future. I he see. enters cryogenic stasis and oh, he makes himself up in ninety shit. years. Yeah, yeah. Damn. And then to infiltrate the Kree uh the Kree are, are kind of a uh, breeding inhumans and, oh. se- and selling them to other races or, or factions as warriors like, yeah la, exactly mm. uh and what i most loved about how fitz got into with the kree was that he used uh his framework fritz fitz persona oh uh, nice. you know this this mob boss persona this, like, yeah this, this crime lord persona yeah. to, to kind of get in with them and eh? because he's under the guys that i want to buy inhuman kree warriors and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he's so ruthless and smart you know the other people fear him and i like that as well oh, that's such a good callback though yeah yeah to yeah, the previous season back. uh in fact the duality between uh our fits and what fits has become in the framework is a major part of season five ah. uh, where does where does framework fits stop and where does our fits begin mm-hmm. and it, it, the line is starting to blur more and more to the to the point where gemma is is quite freaked out la, by how by how ruthless he can be yeah. i like that that, that was great la. Um. There was also a huge twist just before the hundred episode you wanna know? Yes. Yes. Uh, spoiler that. Yeah, um so they introduced Def Cameron. <gasps> uh Def Cameron uh who is a, a Disney star, shall we say. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like a young adult kind what of What does star. she do? Uh so she's introduced as General Hill's daughter. Oh okay. oh okay. Yeah. So uh, General Hill's daughter. At first, the first thing you see, deaf She's conversation is arguing with her, sm- with her mother lah. Okay. The mother was like, "Why aren't you in class? Why, why haven't you been doing your work? Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff." It's just normal mother daughter uh, kind yeah. of uh, argument lah. so there's no implication that should be more of a character mm-hmm. But in the when they come back to Earth to present time, yeah. Uh, you use arms get cut off. In <gasps> a, In in a battle, both for arms. She's armless now. What? Yo-yo? Yeah, by uh, oh. a, a mysterious masked figure uh, Who is revealed to be the Cameron uh. Oh shit, okay uh, So when... And then towards the end You kind of find out that When her mother was scolding her mm-hmm. Not as a mother, but as a superior Like what happened? Like in, an officer like, uh. like, e- Exactly oh, And that was a huge, uh, like, big revelation Which I really, really loved as That's well That's interesting uh. Yeah uh, But like, let's get into the 100th episode yes. Which is the, the big milestone episode Okay, what uh, happened then? Uh, the big milestone episode If you could bottle fan service this will be it this, this will be it um, the, It kind of took a break from the major developments in Agents of Socialist Season 5. Mm-hmm. It was a slow-paced episode because it was basically kind of just a celebration of its own legacy like Of what he has done so far. It right? was a bit of a... it was a bit of a bank, oh. yeah. But I mean, I think... Well yeah, deserved though. I think they allowed like It's the 100th episode. They kind of yeah. want to celebrate what they've done. Yeah, they survived this long.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Nobody believed they
0: would. Uh, so basically, the 100th episode dealt with the opening of a fear dimension, where basically everyone's uh, thoughts and fears kind of manifested themselves, Okay, which allowed them to bring back a lot of old villains, like Hive, like hey. some of the hey. uh, Unfortunately, I guess, because Grand Ward is busy, the yeah, actor, they couldn't get him. Yeah, which is such a waste, because Granwad is
2: such a signature, but then in that
1: case, all the villains would be Grand Ward. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, they did get groundwork. They did get back last year, yeah. so I guess we we did just recently have him. So yeah. I didn't mind that what much. What is she doing nowadays? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, apparently, he was too busy to to appear, okay. which is sad. But groundwork was a a major, major yeah. Player. He was one of the reasons
2: why you tuned in. Yes, a- exactly. He like. was one of the best antagonists. One yeah. of the most painful turns also. Yes. Yeah, yes.
0: Uh, when he killed um Adrian Colson's uh girlfriend, girlfriend you yeah. know, just shot her through the neck in yeah. the window, what painful the stuff. Uh, so Grant I mean obviously he's the cause of uh, Fitz's brain trauma. Yeah, when he dropped him to the sea. Exactly, and, and I like the callback to what happened when he got dropped into the sea, because part of the reason why he's schizophrenic now is because of his brain trauma. Brain trauma, yeah. Yeah, so now he is, um, he's seeing things, but oh. last time he used to see Grandward. He used to see Watt or Gemma, but now he sees framework Fitz, it's uh, kind of man- a manifestation of his other side. Uh. Yeah. Uh, that's good stuff um, The 100th episode Also finally gave us What we've all wanted For 5 seasons what? Which is the FitzSimmons wedding Oh, oh okay they, They've been doing The Will day won day Thing for a long time, a time <laughs> yeah. They've been stuck At the bottom Of the Atlantic Ocean She uh, was teleported To another planet To, to what <laughs> uh, She was also Undercover in Hydra uh, Fitz was then uh, a villain in the framework, I mean they've done all they can to keep them apart. Yeah. But then we got the wedding, which was really nice. Spying oh, day. okay. Finally. Uh, and then there's also the revelation at the end of the wedding. I don't know whether you guys want to be spoiled by Spoil this. Spoil it, Just yeah. go. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Fine. Uh, it turns out, uh, Dick is... ...their grandson. What? Oh! Yeah. But well, that makes sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm. Oh, I, I thought Dick was quite a cool character though. Okay. okay Dick okay. continues to be a cool character because he's been transported into the present as well. Uh, alongside of uh, the crew. La. Okay. And um he's uh the source of a lot of comedic humour with him when he realizes that he, they are his, his grandparents. grandparents. But but they don't know, but he knows. He knows, okay. So he keeps trying to like keep them alive and then everyone's wondering why he cares so much for them. <laughs> and also just the fact that like he's experiencing things like trees and air for the first time in his for life. the first time. Yeah. So there's a lot
2: of humor to be mined from okay, that. As it's well. like Thor coming to Earth for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, the 100th episode If I may so, so, say so Was a bit cheesy But I think it's earned It's earned yeah it can be. be cheesy It's earned the right
2: to be cheesy It like. can't be as cheesy As a CW show. No it's not, it's not. But it, <laughs> was,
0: it was just cheesy Because it finally gave you All the things you wanted like. Yeah la, Fan service la, Like you said a, Exactly la okay. um, It just actually What it has been so good at Was kind of Drawing the line Between fan service And uh, Plot And plot yeah Because mm. uh, it's been so good Plot wise It sometimes gives you what, you what you need But not what you want Like Ghost Rider man yeah, but a hundred episodes gave you what you want. Oh. Uh, admittedly, in the two episodes after that, every, all the nice things that happened to the shit, uh, Because, you know, plot took over. Plot took over. We need man. conflict. <laughs> Okay. Back, back to that la. Yeah. Uh. I. I've revealed kind of, kind of. a um, Maybe three or four huge twists, but those aren't even the biggest twists that you're gonna see. Uh, so okay. I, I. need like to like, up? I need to hold back, la, Because some of the. Some of the twists, especially in this week's episode. Mm. Something about fits Um. It. It really blew my mind. You really want us to watch it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I. I basically almost I just like picked up my laptop and threw it at the wall. Whoa. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I think. Okay. I watch it. Yeah. Uh. And that's Agents of Shield. Uh. Let's move on to another TV show. Yep. Uh, this time we'll be talking about Star Wars Rebels Oh, wait, um, I'll be
2: leading this one yes.
0: Yeah, uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. Rebels recently ended uh, its fourth.
2: series Yeah, fourth, se- fourth season uh,
0: And the series in general, series in general What yeah. do you think of the finale and the last season as a whole? It was better
2: than The Clone Wars I felt Star Wars oh, Rebels has kind of... gone way beyond that, what Star Wars uh, The Clone Wars was
0: Wait, wait um, does I saw watch Star Wars
1: Rebels as well? A bit, right? i are not caught up, right? yeah, we're gonna spoil up. it, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've already
2: been spoiled for it, so yeah. Uh, so first, it builds on uh, it builds on certain legacies left behind by the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but in general, it fits very nicely into the whole universe okay. of Star Wars, lah. Yeah. Uh, the new characters introduced the first season. It feels very, uh, very like twelve year old kind of. Cartoon, right? They, oh, yes, you know, yes, I did get that vibe. Yeah, position, like yeah. you feel like, okay, this is made for kids. Yeah, I mm. wish why I didn't want do Exactly. Okay. But, but then they're uh, saying it grew up. Yeah, it grew up, it grew way up, grew you know, way as way the fast. seasons progressed up. progressed. Mm. Uh, the themes got a lot darker. Uh, there were a lot more um, stakes, uh, you know, okay. uh, people dying and all that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and bringing back certain legacy characters such as uh, Ahsoka Tano, yeah. uh, bringing back the, the, the clones. Uh, oh, really? Rex uh, So Commander Rex uh, What's the other guy's name? Wolf And uh, one of these uh, special troopers From <coughs> who, who made an appearance for a while uh, In the the original Clone Wars mm-hmm. He was a commando mm-hmm. a, a clone commando
3: mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> Anyway So the three of them Asuka Tano Joining this This new crew of people uh, Ezra Bridger uh, what's, Kanan Jarrus And a bunch of other people uh, Captain Sindula and all that, right? Mm-hmm. All of them uh, goes on go go on to this adventure and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what was very very impressive was how much, um, how much love you had for them by the end of the the the, the fourth season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how the stakes were raised so high at the end because it's coming closer to, you know, the empire, coming closer to the the, the where um a new hope begins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can feel that tension where you see and you see the seeds of the rebellion starting Of because this series was focused on I mean the rebels in the title right how the rebellion began and how you you could see how the small little factions Mm -hmm. separated by um, their own um, their own causes so like Ezra and his group were more focused on the planet Mm Lotal while like the bigger Rebel Alliance, they, they, there wasn't a Rebel Alliance yet, right, but other rebellion groups, you know, you you had it in the, the Star Wars story. Um, what's the what's the last one called? Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Yeah. in Rogue One, you you, you saw, um, Forrest Whitaker's character. Correct. Yep. Who's also a legacy character from the Clone Wars. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh, and who makes an appearance in Rebels? Mm-hmm. How he's. Was he voiced uh, by Forrest? Yeah, he yeah. was also oh, nice. voiced yeah, by Forrest. Yeah. It it's good. quite a cool thing. Uh. Yeah. So his character and what his motivations are are very different. So you see a very fragmented rebellion.
0: Um which makes a total of uh, a lot total of sense, right? makes sense. It's very real world in a sense that like a lot of maybe let's say, rebellion groups or terrorist yeah. groups, um a lot of the different factions within that group yeah. have different agendas. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Uh same thing, I mean it it, it I feel that this re- this the start of this rebellion or this series where they focus on how the rebellion begins. Um, you can hearken it back to like the American Revolution in a way.
3: Mm, you know I'm, how I'm the sure. yeah,
2: how the states had their own agendas. They New York was very different from Maryland, how Maryland was very different from um, Virginia and so on and so forth. Yes. So you had that kind of vibe, like uh, this yeah. You know, but our focus obviously is on Lothal la, and on the on the characters that we follow, like mm. on the ship, the Phantom. Who also makes an appearance in I? in um the Rogue One. A rogue one, yeah. One, yeah. yeah the, the like briefly. a five second appearance. So they were in that battle. A little cameo. Yeah. So my focus is not on the on the se- The series itself is great. If you watch it through and all that, you know, there's a lot of like. Um, you know how The Last Jedi totally uh, took away the meaning of being a Skywalker? <laughs> or, like, you, <laughs> know, you know, like.
0: I would have a, a, of a disco- deconstruction of his, yeah, his legacy,
2: right? Yeah. This kind of goes in the, di- in the direction of. You didn't really hear much about the Force. In the new movie, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. It was more of like moving on kind of thing. Mm. So in this, we pay pay how much to it? Mm-hmm. Um, we go back to the we we in fact have time travel. Mm. That was one of the biggest things that happened in in Star Wars. I heard Rebels, about that. Yeah. Was the time traveling? Because
0: the, um, it's never been introduced at least in in the movie canon. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Uh, so to have that, and this is official. Rebels is considered canon. canon. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep. So. It, it 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 adds an interesting twist la to the force itself, la, like uh, to understanding what the force is la.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Uh, because he does uh, change time in uh, in a a bit because he does remove Asuka Tano from a dire situation. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to die there, but because of him, she's alive lah.
3: Yeah.
2: Anyway, uh don't need to get into the gritty of time travel because that would be a whole other episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, we will need a whole episode to talk about it. Correct. Um. But what was impressive was the last episode, where
0: satisfying wrap up.
2: In a way, mm-hmm. first they, they they killed off two of the main characters.
0: Spoiler alert! Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Kenan Jarrus, who was yeah. the, the the Jedi Master, mm-hmm. and Ezra Bridger, mm-hmm. who is his apprentice. Mm-hmm. So they killed off both, both yeah, Jedi. they killed off both Jedi, Obviously, because you know you can't have Jedi running around, lah. La. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If
0: not, the hope <laughs> yeah. of the
2: new hope will be. But how they killed them off, you know, it was beautiful. La. You know, he's self-sacrificing and all that. Right. Both of them self-sacrificed mm-hmm. for a greater cause. La. Yep. Um, the villain that they introduced, uh, Admiral Tron, who was uh, from the expanded universe last time, mm. into, legacy, uh, into Legends. Yeah. And now they brought him back into canon.
3: Interesting.
2: So Admiral Tron's character... And he has a few books where he actually... They they interact, him and uh, Vader actually yes. does things together. La. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Those so you, really you, can, you, you should read it. Yeah. But Tron is this guy who's like hyper-intelligent. and you know. He's not human. Right. He's a Shiss. C-H-I-S-S. It's a, another species which was also done in Legends but they brought it back here. Mm. So now it's a official, one of the official races. At, like, at least in the new canon. In the new canon. Yeah. La. Uh, He comes in, he's super-intelligent, hyper- <laughs> uh, understands culture yep. and how to manipulate... Um, people around him to 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 get what he wants la. Mm-hmm. uh super tactical uh he was like three four steps ahead of all the rebels and all that mm-hmm. so ezra you know he sacrifices himself he self-surrenders to Tron and all that stuff and that whole scene of him sacrificing and suddenly you see the plan what ezra actually wanted to do mm-hmm. now that was beautiful la. it was a callback because they, they had car- uh, creatures from like two seasons ago, these huge space whales. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Coming in to actually destroy the entire uh, blockade. Right. And, after the, and these space whales can hyper... Uh, can go to hyperspeed. Don't ask how. Wow. <laughs> That's how they travel. Okay. So, yeah, basically, all the space whales came in, grabbed the ship, and they hyperspeed out of, of Lothal.
0: How do these creatures breathe in space? I told you don't ask, right? Okay,
2: okay. <laughs> how would I know? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh... At the end, did uh, Ezra sacrifice? Like, hyperspace into nowhere, la, ah. Right, so he kills Tron, the entire blockade, and yeah, 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 yeah. and saves Lotal. Sweet. Uh, Lotal is also a site, uh, ancient Jedi side, that sort of thing. Okay. So there's a lot of that backstory, like that we we always talk about. So that it it adds what the movies couldn't add. Mm. It adds uh, the history of the Jedi a bit more. Sure. If you're into that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, a lot of Star fans are. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, I would say most of them, that's part of the backlash against the
2: last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, la. yeah. Uh, it adds, um, int- uh, it adds um, history also to the Empire, why it's so powerful mm. and how, how it can be so encompassing.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, and uh, the history of the rebellion, la, which is important la, because the New Hope is already the Rebel Alliance. Correct. Right, yeah. so how from that, from uh, it adds to what Rogue One tried to do also. Mm. But at the same time, it's
0: more of a bridge, a Yeah,
2: so everything now makes more sense, mm. and that's the same thing that happened for Clone Wars. Lah. Clone mm. Wars also made the prequels palatable. It
0: retroactively improved a the, the, the garbage prequels. <laughs> exactly. Of, yeah. So yeah.
2: yeah, we shouldn't be the way. <laughs> you
0: know. Way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway,
2: um, the the last scene of the series took place post Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So that means they really fought the battle of all la. Yeah. Uh, and they will basically Asuka Tano still alive. So there's that one Jedi. Right. That's been running around. Yeah. 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 So she, why she, never been in the movies? She's not a Jedi, oh, yeah, She. Well, I
0: mean, I, but she does. No, expa- I mean, like, she does explain that she wants to be in the shadows, I, I, not in the forefront. I, I kind of was mean that, that more in a in a sense that of her popularity. She's oh. so popular. They should have already included her in the. In the fa- past two movies,
1: right? Yeah. yeah. She oh, was very there's a chance that she will come. She'll come in yeah, later maybe. On. yeah yeah
2: she must be quite old by now la. Yeah. yes yeah. Um, so yeah so the dark scene is just a beautiful wrap-up because it gives it gives a glimpse of what's happening to everybody else yeah right so like uh certain of the characters are living in this place you know having a good life now yeah. far from all this conflict right um sindula who's the, the 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 pilot uh, she now is with Chow mm-hmm. and most probably that Chow is like Canon Jerris's Chao So it's a crossbreed species kind of thing lah. Sure, okay. Yeah, you no, know that kind of thing. So everybody has kind of a good like um nice close to their art Yeah. Uh, and the last one is that basically Sabine and and uh Ascarlano yeah. goes off to go and find Ezra la, whether he's alive or not lah. La.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah, that kind of thing. So it ends. You don't know whether Ezra's alive or not.
0: Well, I, I like open ended.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. Conclusions. Like uh, but what I really and what I really. Why I really recommend rebels mm-hmm. is because you're a star wars fan uh this gives you so much more insight into into the uh into the whole idea it it gives you much more insight into the whole world of star wars yeah it gives you a better understanding of what the can the new canon is sure and not be so sad that the
0: extended universe is gone la. yes <laughs> yeah. because it's giving you a, a refreshing uh competing alternative yeah, yeah
2: it's a good it's a good uh Augment to the entire story, nice. and make me look forward to yeah. Because that's why I played. I didn't. I didn't buy Battlefront too, mm-hmm. but just watching the cutscenes, yeah. Uh, you know, gave a lot of uh little little tidbits into, uh, the last Jedi,
3: yeah,
2: and certain other things that happened post Endor, yeah, which never was explored because you know it has such a big gap thirty year gap between the last uh the return of the Jedi, and the new what's Force Awakens, Force Force Force, yeah. right? So that big gap you know is filled with things like this lah, things mm. like. Star Wars Rebels, Battlefront Two, you know, and other Star Wars merchandise out there,
0: it would be hilarious if JJ Abrams uh suddenly discovered that time travel was a thing, mm-hmm. and then he decides to record the Last Jedi. Oh <laughs> no! Uh... Because remember how people complaining how the Last Jedi, uh, why would the why why
2: was the 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 what they call it? the First Order? Yeah. Order? Why were they like everywhere? Yeah. Right. So in Battlefront Two. Yeah. There's a little snippet. All oh, right. Where it was mentioned. That the entire fleet is, is is, the fleet of the first order is way bigger than the fleet of, the the the, the New Republic la. Mm. And it was just a mention mm. Like they were, they were seeing the, 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 They were just looking at a screen Where all the fleets are moving And all that So the
0: interconnected pieces Really helped fill in the gaps
2: Yeah so like Oh okay that explains Why in The Last Jedi They are
0: everywhere Okay okay yeah, That kind of thing like. That makes sense Cool hmm. Um. So I mean like In, in conclusion you, you definitely tell people like me Who kind of gave up In the first season To really continue Just continue Yeah
2: Yeah just uh it's it's a fun little series, not too long, mm-hmm. four seasons only. Yeah, yeah. But it seems
0: like oh, quite a worthwhile catch up. Uh,
2: yeah, it is. And it is. No, not
0: too much of an investment of yeah. in
2: time. and it makes the last Jedi, sorry, the last Jedi, was Force it? Awakens. The what? The last one was the last Jedi, right? Yes, that's yeah. one Solo will be upcoming. Yeah, like, Solo. Upcoming. Yeah, it, uh, it makes it a little bom- a little bit more palatable. Also, lah. I know. Um, I, so, I love the last I, Jedi, I but there are there, a lot of fans that didn't. Right. That's true. It's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, that's great uh, Star Wars Rebels Obviously the end of a legacy mm-hmm. um, I think I'm gonna Talk about another End of a legacy There's a lot of end, Ends of end a uh, yeah. In this particular episode of John What Kong do Day. we have this time? Um, it's the last and final season Of the X-Files It's the <sighs> revival season <Yeah. sighs> um, Jillian Anderson has said That she's never coming back Yeah I mean And okay. I totally understand that uh, It does give This last season of the X-Files A bit more resonance And finality mm-hmm. uh, It gives it more impact if 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 they were just gonna come back again mm. like five years from now, it's it would it would definitely lessen uh, how great the season was. Yeah. Okay. Before I start talking about how good this season eleven this revival season is, right, I do have to sh- mention that the first episode yeah. and the last episode of the season were alien mythology episodes. Makes sense. Yeah. That uh it was bookended by these two convoluted, nobody gives a shit about this alien mythology la. Yeah. Um. The story was so confusing, so outlandish, so illogical. Uh-huh. Uh, entirely so rubbish And they record a lot of stuff
3: okay.
0: uh, To make it more streamlined Of course Because yeah. they only had two episodes To do it yeah. uh, That it almost It almost destroys The X-Files as a show In general Oh wow this, yeah. The first and last episode uh-huh. It was so garbage That I almost Hate that I love the X-Files Okay <laughs> But then everything in between Reminded you Why you love the X-Files Okay Because the revival season Has been Predominantly standalone Yeah Episodes 2 to episodes 9 Except for 1 and 10 were just mystery of the week Monster of the week kind of stuff Okay, And that's what we all loved about the 90s X-Files yeah. And they actually recaptured the magic of that
3: yeah.
0: I mean some highlight episodes that I really enjoyed Was there was a, a supernatural thriller uh-huh. uh, Basically about these two twins Who played Hangman uh-huh. And then once the person guesses the name of The person that the other person has laid out uh-huh. The person dies la. Okay. So it's a murder, mes- murder mystery To find out who's playing this game of Hangman yeah. uh, That is a supernatural thriller so Are they made- hanged? No, uh, they, they will die Whenever the name is uh solved, yeah. uh a doppelganger of themselves will pop up to kill them. What? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh so uh it's it's very genre malleable, which is what I like about okay. the uh, So there can be episodes like that. There's even a literal horror episode about witches in Salem. No way. Yeah. So it's about witches uh there was even literal demons in it. No way. They but went to Salem. Uh, Salem Country la, yeah la. Okay. Uh, a more, a Kind of a modern day Witch hunt kind of story Oh shit, okay uh, But even in an episode With real life witches And an actual demon That pops up right? Mm. In in true Real good Allegorical horror fashion The real horror Is when Small minded townspeople React with fear and prejudice yeah. Against things Of are, the are unknown la. Yeah. So you know like It's, it's kind of an Age metaphor But the real The, the real horror Is the people The people la, yeah. Yeah, yeah, The pitchforks yeah. And the torches. La. Exactly Which ended up Being way more horrific Than anything the witches did Or anything the okay. demon did. Is how people react yeah. And, and yeah um, I, I like horror movies Like that Because it plays to uh, It's a mirror la. It holds out a mirror To society yeah. Exactly um, There's an episode That both of you Have seen also Oh uh, that was the, That was my favourite Yeah it's called The Lost Art of Forhead Sweat It's written by A legendary X-Files uh, writer Called Darren Morgan Who does a lot Of satirical Meta episodes uh, This is a satir- Satirical Meta episode About the Mandela Effect yeah. And mm-hmm. about uh, Kind of why The X-Files Might be obsolete In this post-Trump News era yeah. and also a meta commentary about how the exhaust in general has become obsolete. Yeah. Um I thought it was really funny, they were poking fun at themselves at the yeah. same time being just a really fun uh, record a few things. Also. Yeah, it a few things, also, but you don't know whether they were true. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was a pretty much the standout episode of the.
2: No, it, they did hint that it was true because the last the director did look and like, oh, yeah. what are
0: they doing with Charlie? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, there was even a monster of the week episode that kind of uh, took on a variation of mm. the Slenderman urban myth. Uh, it's, uh, it's I I don't know whether you guys have seen Slenderman. The or movie. Are, are familiar with <laughs> Slenderman? I, I, the, the, the mythology, yeah. 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 So so basically they kind of took on the Slenderman myth by creating a new monster la. Okay. Uh, two girls went on a boat. Then they stabbed each other. But the what the girls saw was a monster like The Slenderman myth. Oh, okay. So it was just this monster of the week thing. Moderns kind investigate then it turns out that the monster of the week was their son what yeah the one that they gave up for adoption because uh-huh. he has alien DNA so his powers so he can project fears onto other people oh so that's shit. why people have been killing each other so it was a nice monster of the week story that kind of diverted into a mythology episode the only mythology episode that i liked okay because it stopped being monster week uh, story halfway when suddenly the they department of the, was. their son and then the department of defense showed up to try to arrest him and then they were instead protecting the monster instead of trying to arrest him uh, and it showcased a lot of Gillian uh, Anderson's acting uh-huh. Because we kind of never really see her play a mother Because yeah. she didn't raise the child yeah. So you, it was amazing that she showed off a very different emotional side to sekali la, Which you don't get to see a lot The more maternal side Yeah and although I've been kind of waxing lyrical about how they've recaptured 90s magic, yeah. the, my favourite episode was written by two brand new writers. Oh, okay. two, two female writers who used to be interns on the old X-Files show. This is their first script ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's weird that the most forward-thinking, relevant episode of the X-Files came from a bunch of newbies, when all the veteran writers are writing episodes about... Uh, oh, uh, remember this? Remember that? Kind of makes sense, huh? Yeah, yeah. But um, this was an episode about a sentient, artificially intelligent sushi
1: restaurant. Oh, fucking love that. Okay. That's uh, a great episode.
0: That basically has a vendetta against Mauder because Mauder didn't tip. Because he didn't tip. Yeah, okay. So the sushi restaurant basically turns his life into a living hell. Uh, uh-huh. Cancelling his credit card, uh-huh. setting his house on fire, stuff like that. So it's basically him trying to defeat the sushi restaurant.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's the, oh, they, the only episode of the season where I, it made me think, wow, there's more to the X-Files than nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily need to recapture horror episodes or thriller episodes or detective stories mm. or, or monster stories we can actually do something forward new. thinking yeah. and it came from these two new writers uh. and it's it's so sad because it came to it towards the end of the season I'm like wow the X-Files kind of has legs if you just give, uh. give new writers a yeah. shot at this uh. because of how malleable the X-Files are mm-hmm. uh, one of my other favourite episodes the second to last episode it's the perfect finale for the show mm-hmm. it should have ended with that but uh unfortunately they had to end with the alien mythology season, la. Okay. Uh it's it's a very, very gory episode. I've never seen an episode of the X files This Gory, except for maybe in the season four episode Home, you know the incestuous cabin monsters thing. That was scary. Yeah, uh, but they had a super inter- interesting twist on vampires. It's called Nothing Lasts Forever. Uh it's basically Mulder and Scully confronting an old movie star from the forties. Uh who is still alive? Exactly. Uh she's still young, still vibrant. What? But she uses medical technology uh, uh, basically uh, Blood transplants And organ transplants From unwilling victims So like modern vampirism Modern vampirism uh, Exactly la. But um, the story Basically metaphorically Is about This uh, old movie actress Coming to terms With her own mortality okay. And the fact that uh, She's obsolete In this modern day la. Once again The exhaust Providing a meta commentary On itself It also forces uh, modern and Scully To kind of Address their own uh, Their own age And The finiteness Of their own story la, mm. That their story Is coming to an end Much like this old movie star Who can't who is still clinging on to their glory days? Okay, uh, great stuff. Um, David, the Goffney Angela, and this is final scene, which uh, is like rife with history and chemistry and love. It it provided me the emotional closure I needed from the x mm-hmm. Uh, something that was immediately undone by the actual finale. Right? <laughs> uh, so I guess if you skip the first and last episode, this was a great season of Exfalls. Okay, if you were to add in the first and last episode. It will be a mediocre season of <laughs> Let's say you have to average out the scores, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the episodes were 8 out of ten, seven 7 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Yeah. But the last episodes were 0 out of 10. Uh. I would even say minus 100 out of 10. Wow.
2: Yeah. I need to yeah. watch this.
0: They, they are so spectacularly bad that you might just want to watch it yeah. for how how, how, much bad it a, how much of a shit show it is. Okay. Yeah, is. Uh, we'll be moving on. Okay. And for those of you wondering why I used uh, John Williams' uh, Superman theme to introduce this episode... It's because, because it's the 80th anniversary of Superman this He's month. He's 80 years old. He's 80 years old. Can you imagine? Oh, Not only is it the 80th anniversary of Superman, it's also the 1,000th issue of Action Comics. Nice. Famously, yeah. where Superman debuted. Yeah. Debuted. Yeah. So obviously, Action Comics 1,000 and mm-hmm. Superman's 80th anniversary is going to coincide into this big uh, kind of collection, superstar collection of writers and authors and essayists mm-hmm. and um, artists. To kind of uh, do their own take on Superman. Yeah. So various mini-stories of Superman yeah. in Action Comics 1000. So we thought, I mean, since we are genre equality, yeah. and Superman is the OG of superheroes, yeah. I think that's quite indisputable. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the legacy, symbolism, and impact of popular culture that Superman has had. Uh-huh. Um, he is, in my opinion, the greatest of 20th century myth-making. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he is almost like the new Greek god. He's a new Hercules lah. Huh? Basically, I, I think Superman will be one of those things that a thousand years from now, people will look back at this as uh, one of the finest examples of uh, modern day myth-making. Or yeah. I guess historical myth-making if you are talking a thousand yeah. years from now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Superman was obviously kind of a messianic figure, Yeah. Uh, yeah. but created by Jewish kids. So very allegorical there. <laughs> um... The, he represented a lot of hope For the downtrodden uh. yeah. um, I like the metaphor That he's an American immigrant mm-hmm. Quite literally An mm-hmm. illegal alien Yeah Who uh, had no past But came to America And decided yeah. like Rather than dwell on What came before Or the destruction of his homeworld He's gonna do his best To try try to contribute to America To his the society. Yeah exactly yeah. I, I mean even little things A lot of people don't like Superman Because it's just not as relatable But I like him Because his real strength and power comes from his moral character, his inherent goodness, his dedication to decency. Exactly. I mean, even the fact that Clark Kent is a reporter, uh, just goes to show his dedication to finding out the truth. Yeah. Truth, justice, and uh, the ideali- idealism of the American way, la. Um, Like I mentioned, Batman is, I guess, more beloved in the modern day. Yeah. Because he's relatable. He represents the duality of humanity in times of fear and crisis. Yeah. But um, Superman represents. I like that he's billionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's relatable. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna point it out yeah. actually, um, Superman represents All we can be la, Our best selves An ideal that we can Strive towards mm-hmm. And even uh, A lot of people Have made feelings About Justice League But one of my favourite Scenes in Justice League Was Batman pointing out That Superman Is more human Than he ever G-O-B. was yeah. uh, Superman Works for a living Yeah he does He earns a wage He's a working he, class hero He grew up doing chores On a farm you know? yeah. Batman was just this uh, Kind of spoiled kid Who kind of never Got over his parents' death yeah. And dresses up as a bat Yeah I mean uh so, so Superman has love, he has a marriage, he has a job. Yep. Uh he takes care of his parents. I mean so, sorry Batman. <laughs> no offense, sorry. No offense. Uh but yeah, like he he is just way more human of character than Batman ever was. Mm. Uh, and I, that's why I always found it weird that people found Batman more relatable. Um is it weird that do you do, do you think that's weird and why do you think that why why does Superman resonate to you both? Well, okay. It's again
2: I mean you touched most of it already, la. Yeah. but it's not about his powers mm-hmm. and it's not about how strong he is or um you know it's more about what he represents mm-hmm. that hope yeah that Symbolism. idea yeah that idea that don't worry, superman is here to he get or better or that we can be better yeah. yeah yeah um that he is so close to perfection yeah that we have no choice but to kind of love him la.
0: no but at the same you know? time also he has the in the People have the idea that he's he is perfect. Yeah. But when he does it in a feel it weighs heavily on him. And and yeah, many yeah. of the best stories have been about it's his about failures. Him. Yeah, exactly. The fact that he wasn't there when people expected. Exactly. To be there. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: <coughs> Superman represents the golden age of superheroes. Um. I. I, w- I would say so. though. Right. Yeah. He is the,
0: he is the he is the template that other superheroes are built upon. Are built upon. You cannot talk the superhero genre. Without Superman. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of the characters that we now know and love, the anti-heroes of yeah. modern day, like he the Punisher. You can trace it all back to Superman. Yeah, but they will have nothing to subvert if not for Superman. Yeah, exactly. Superman was the thing. The thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Aisha? What do you love about Superman?
1: I feel that um, this whole idea that someone can come from elsewhere, and yeah. come from nothing, and have and bring hope. Is the central idea of what Superman is, and uh, and given that in his original conceptualization as the Uberman, right? He was yes. to be a villain, yeah. And how that <coughs> was was flipped in the conceptualization of Superman, mm. and now has become what he has become. Mm-hmm. Uh, save for what Snyder's done, <laughs> Uh it, I think is a is a big part <coughs> of of what I like about Superman. Mm. I think that. Um, like for example, Death of Superman, which is one of the, kind of, like the most important, like story oh, arc they've yeah. ever explored. Like, uh, the void that he leaves, mm. right, is both tangible, yeah, mm-hmm. not just to the superhero community in the DC universe, but, the, but to the, every man. The
0: the, the psyche and morale <laughs> of uh of the human race. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, even readers that become a folk. Bro? Yeah, even yeah. the readers, you know, how down we felt when we saw Superman die. Yeah, exactly. I,
1: I, I still remember like when that came out. It's like what. Really, I mean did at that point
0: this? we were younger and we weren't as attuned to comic book yeah, tropes so yeah. I mean we knew everybody comes back eventually but yeah. at that point it seemed final yeah, and I was really shocked did. by that they were willing to get rid of someone so iconic but, yeah. yeah um suddenly like 10, yeah. 10 or 11 when And it's also weird Because in the 90s Was the era of You know X-Force Or Deadpool Or yeah. Spawn That kind of hero That kind of hero uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it was an era That Superman was uh, That couldn't thrive uh, yeah. Because people felt That he was out of touch And mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, But it's weird to me Because I feel like Times like that When Batman is popular yeah. uh, Times of peace Yeah. Uh, it was in, Relative to today It was a general Time of peace uh, It was a, a Time when there were a few okay, wars going on Basically pre nine eleven. 11 yeah, let's just say pre nine yeah. eleven. But in in times as dark as these, you know, like mm. Superman becomes more popular because he represents what the a light at the, end of the tunnel. Yeah, he represents hope. La. And um uh, that's what I love most about Superman. When I think of Superman I think of uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman, you know, Richard Donner's Superman. Yeah. Mm. You can you will believe a man can fly and, and that movie still holds up as one of the best, if not the best superhero movie ever made, it it's was, be- yeah. Just because of its uh classical filmmaking at its best. Yeah. Uh when I think of modern Superman, um, guys like um Henry Cavill mm-hmm. or Brendan Roof, they've never been able to recapture that kind of the the inherent decency and goodness that Christopher Reeves brought to Superman. Yeah. La. Uh that's what I like. Um I think the closest that you have come is actually to be honest Supergirl. Yeah. Uh Kyle Danvers in the C W show yeah. is is probably the closest that you can get to uh, mimicking Superman's uh impact on the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Supergirl represents on the CW show. It does. And that's what I love most about it. La. What are your um favorite Superman stories? What's yours? Uh, you start first. I'll start first? Okay, yeah. okay. Um so you can kinda tell thematically about what I love about Superman is that I like his inherent goodness. I like that he doesn't uh kowtow to like trendy stuff la. like let's be an antihero, let's carry a yeah, yeah, gun yeah, yeah. and shoot people in the head. Um, so my favorite story from Superman is something called What's So Funny About Truth Justice in an American Way uh-huh. It's uh, written by Joe Kelly and it was an uh, action comic 775 uh, Basically the story is about a new uh, anti-hero group called the Elite okay. uh, No reference to Bullet Club <laughs> uh, This Elite is basically X-Force Or it's uh-huh. basically a guff Ennis, uh, a Ennis type, type of group okay. Where Superman has become irrelevant and they come in and they just kill villains Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the story is about how Superman convinces the world and convinces them that this is not the way to go. Uh, basically, is is it? It's about retaining your humanity, la. And there's no point saving humanity mm. if you lose the essence of what makes you good. Yeah. Uh, you might as well just die, lah. There's no okay. point of survival in that case, lah. Uh, Coming from a non-human. Correct, correct. Um, the the story was kind of largely conceived as a response towards the popularity of Wildstorm. Um, specifically the authority la, is, mm. is, is what we're talking about uh, It's deliberately provocative And it exploits the moral responsibility of human beings Powerful enough to overturn tyrannical regimes Okay. Uh, and I love that it subverts Something that is subversive in itself Because the authority yeah. subverts the Superman thing And this Superman story subverts the authority instead yeah. uh, I, I really love that it, it It's kind of um, the anti-Mark anti-Warren yeah. Ellis, anti Garth Ennis kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, although I love all of their takes on Superman as well, and yeah. all their subsequent stories, uh, this kind of brought home to me in, a time, in the 90s semua, yeah. in a time when Superman was unpopular, why Superman was necessary. Uh, all the more so in a time of darkness. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Um, uh,
1: My favourite Superman story is All-Star Superman. So, uh, created by Grant Morrison. Yeah. so like um, I, was, I was just reading up an uh, approach to this because it's uh, it was a what like a 12 issue arc mm-hmm. yeah so it was a 12 issue arc and Morrison basically said you know like he was tired of redoing origin stories and he wanted something for that time at least right to, to kind of update and rehaul and refit and uh, what All-Star Superman is essentially about is that uh, while trying to save scientist from the the project uh, lab uh, that Luther likes Luther has touch he becomes hyper irradiated which makes him incredibly and unimaginably more powerful than he has ever been but at the same time his body can't handle it so Superman is dying slowly he kind of right? has uh,
0: radiation cancer yeah he has yeah.
1: radiation cancer yeah. uh, which which is kind of interesting that like uh, because he's now so powerful he's um, uh, able to do so many more things that he like even Superman couldn't do before mm. you know and he pulls off these impossible feats but all uh, with the knowledge that he is slowly dying mm-hmm. uh, known only to himself and to Luther yeah right at this point in time um, the whole story okay what's interesting about the story is this this idea that he creates a serum that allows him to share his power with Lewis Lane mm-hmm. right uh, and of course you know the whole idea of Louis and and Clark yeah. Um, as being lovers from different planes. Almost a very tragic kind of Romeo and Juliet story, right? Yeah. Where they are although in love and often together, um, ultimately one will outlive the other. Yeah. Yes. So it kinda of flips it on his head.
0: Where Louis is gonna outlive Superman. Yeah, where Louis
1: will outlive Superman and uh, for a brief moment, for twenty four hours she becomes superwoman, uh and he she fights alongside Superman and prevents a certain natural disasters. Um what is most touching for me is that Luther eventually discovers the serum that will give him the same powers as Superman, mm-hmm. right? And in All of Fate, in trying to stop Luther, Luther uh, Superman uh, stops Luther with a gravity gun that yeah. accelerates time. Uh, but in that moment, just before Luther's uh, powers fade away, for a brief moment, he actually sees the world as Superman sees it. Right. Right, And that breaks the entire animosity that has been built up over years and years of fighting Superman.
0: As always, with all forms of conflict, once you put your... The best resolution to understanding someone is to put yourself in your their shoes. Yeah. And that's what happened with yeah. Lex Luthor.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like Luthor, for all intents and purposes, is the quintessential foil. Right? He's yes. The quintessential Superman foil. Yep. Uh, and he stands for for everything that Superman uh, well not really Superman hates like mm. Luthor is kind of like told this middle line right mm. if Superman is your 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 ultimate good then Luthor is kind of like okay I'm here in the middle but I will take compromises where Superman doesn't compromise mm. right Uh, I, I love how all of that melts away okay? I think um, the animated movie for All-Star Superman mm. it captured that moment very very well mm. m- maybe even better than Uh, How it was portrayed in the actual comics itself For the couple of panels that it was there Um, And the whole idea that at the end of the day You know Once you step into another person's shoes As big as those person's shoes may be um, uh, It it can bring people together And for me that's what the quintessential Superman story should be about Bringing people together And ultimately Superman sacrifices himself Mm -hmm. Uh, He becomes part of the sun to keep the sun going uh, and there's a whole lot of like little little things that Morrison threw in just so that he could tie it on to what else he wanted to go, mm-hmm. um, the story to go. But I mean those things are, are minuscule things because he never ended up doing them anyway.
2: Yeah. Uh, what about you, Hadi? Oh, so my favorite story would be Red Sun. We kind of figured this. Yes. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. For, I mean explain, a, explain a bit about what, what Red Sun is about. So Red Sun is basically what if. It's a what if kind of story. It's from Elseworlds, the Elseworlds yeah. uh, line. Uh so what if uh Superman had landed in Ukraine? La? Mm-hmm.
0: The USSR.
2: Yeah. So he landed in Soviet uh era Ukraine. Yeah. Where he's raised communist. <coughs> yeah, he was uh on this collective farm. Yeah. Uh raised as a communist and became a state uh, uh a state uh state owned state owned
1: <laughs> a state operative.
2: Yeah, he, yeah yeah, he he's basically a soldier for the USSR. La. Yep. Uh he catches the eye of Stalin, mm-hmm. who interestingly his name is a rough translation of Man of Steel. Yay. Yeah, right? good, good call. Yeah. yeah, so he captures the eye of Stalin, but Stalin dies. Yeah. Uh, got poisoned or something, cyanide or something like that. Okay. I read this comic a long time ago. Yeah. So a bit of it is still blurry, but what I really enjoyed was how Superman then takes over the USSR, mm-hmm. uh, and how capitalism in this world had failed. Uh. Yeah. America was in economic ruin and all that, and so Superman now the leader of the USSR, actually goes on to transform it into a utopia. Is this
0: uh is this world's version of the arms race? Like Superman yeah. is the, the is armor.
2: The ultimate armor. Uh he goes on to to change this entire area. You know the whole world now start- so instead of countries becoming capitalists, a lot of countries were turning communist. Yeah. On a la- a faster rate. Uh but to in order to achieve this, he had to take away certain personal liberties and all that. So that kind of story, you know, where sure. uh, Superman becomes a big brother kind of thing, more more benevolent kind of big brother lah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, in a way. Uh, something the Singaporeans can kind of uh, kind of understand. understand.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the end, uh, why this intrigued me was just the fact that the world would have been so different la. I mean, the 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 DC world would have been so different, so exactly. different lah with super just the location of where superman was born. Huh? Correct. Um you know?
0: and one of the most interesting things exactly with Elsworth is that a lot of Elsworth is basically just an interesting mm-hmm. location. Yeah. Or yeah. but this actually is something deep to say about. It does. Yeah. Uh, about what this new location can bring. Uh, yeah, exactly.
2: So because of superman's intervention of him being there, yeah. you know, he he changes the outlook of the entire USSR. Mm-hmm. Uh communism is thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh though you know, in the back scenes, the, back, the 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 politics at the back not so much like yeah. uh Luther is his uh, main foil like, as usual. Sure. Uh Luther is in America and he's the he's the one that's gonna save America. La. Yeah. He creates Bizarro mm-hmm. or Superman two he calls it. Yeah. Uh and they have this massive fight and all that and Superman two sacrifices his life to ensure that some place in America doesn't get nuked, you know that kind of thing. Sure. Uh then Brainiac comes in. So there's a lot of these like characters. Who, who are helping Luthor? Mm-hmm. Abrinak uh, became like a... Uh, he was at first helping Superman, mm-hmm. trying to create this uh, trying to. Uh, trying to invade America or something like that, and Superman. Or they uh, didn't realize that he was uh being manipulated mm-hmm. Uh, there's Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm uh who plays a love interest but superman doesn't realize just thinks that she's a comrade, you know, mm. that kind of thing. Friend zone. Yeah, friend zone laugh. Yeah. And we get, zone. Yeah, <laughs> zone. you would say you know, <laughs> in the years uh, but the more interesting uh conflict I thought was when he fought Batman.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah so Batman his parents got killed. I mean, obviously. <laughs> he wouldn't be Batman if his parents never died. His ba- his parents got killed uh and Batman blames it on Superman la, mm. uh, for not being there to save his parents or something like that. Uh, again, another variation of Superman not being able to yeah, be everywhere. exactly. Yeah. So he goes on to this... Uh, and he sees Superman for the danger that he is. La, that, As the real Batman, I mean, the, the main universe also sees it, right? Yeah, to me, the, this whole storyline
0: of Batman here is just a more poetic version of what Zack Snyder was trying to do.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, so yeah, the whole idea of... Why this story intrigued me? I mean, a part, I don't want to go into like the, the details of it.
0: Uh, although, I mean, I, we shouldn't spoil the ending because it's one of the craziest time loop stories I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, uh, but you just have to catch it. Yeah.
2: yeah, so the last part is like mind-blowing. Like when you realise... Mind-blowing. Like, what? All this time? Yes, it's, yeah. a, it's a bit of a talk Monkeys
0: kind of reveal. Idea. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah.
2: Um, but it was just that how even in a different system or a different political idea, Superman still represents hope, Yes. Still has his inherent goodness. Yeah. Even though this son is a bit skewed, a bit um, different. Yeah. He still has the, the love of humanity, mm. as his priority. What
0: I love is like regardless of ideology or yeah. religion or, yeah. or, or or the values that he's been raised with. Yeah. Superman will always be good. Yeah. yeah. He will always be good. Uh. It's like he, he's a humanist character. Correct. Not an ideological idea. Yeah.
2: So yeah, it's a intriguing premise definitely. The artwork really helped. Mm. Like it had really great artwork. I think by um Dave Johnson mm. and Clillian Plunkett. Mm. Yeah. Uh and how they just fuse all of this uh or how they, they they made this tapestry of this new world in this like three volume comic I think. Nice. It's mad la, like yeah. I was so I, I just fell in love with it when I started reading it. La. Awesome. Yeah, and plus that uh, you get to see historical figures. I'm a political science graduate, so yeah. this kind of like, you know, it's one of my, like, my loves. Uh. So, you know, to see like JFK Eisenhower, you know, and all mm. that, and how like... A bit of revisionist history. Yeah, revisionist you know. history. Yeah. the alternate history kind of thing, yeah. you know, going on. So, yeah, in the end, uh, I felt that um, it's a good twist yeah. to the Superman mythology. Yeah. Uh, it it made, made it really interesting because I could see a bit of like um Watchman. In it yeah, you know, yeah in yes, it yes. you could see like influences from like Alan Moore uh in the the story and in the the, the 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 art itself. Alan Moore
0: himself has written a lot of good Superman stories. There you go, yeah. yeah. Um
2: yeah but at the heart it's still a Superman story. It's still yeah Superman at ed- Trying to do his best And trying to be The hope that the world needs are That kind of thing Yes yeah. Yes. Perfect Perfect. But they, please read this Because of the spoiler uh, the, 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 the ending uh. Because of the spoiler The spoiler uh, yeah. ending
0: uh, <laughs> Fantastic stuff I mean like yeah. um, That's all we have to say About um, Superman's 80th anniversary mm-hmm. At the moment yeah. uh, Brian Michael Bendis Famously is going to be Taking over Superman and Action yeah. yeah. Comics yeah. Uh, Going right. forward uh, a huge cool for DC uh, mm-hmm. He's always been a Marvel guy Marvel guy, yeah uh, So that's fantastic um, Let's move on to A little segment I like to call Quick Hits Quick Hits Where I quickly run through Some of the genre fiction Some of the best, worst And mediocre of this month That maybe Either of you haven't seen Or yeah. maybe you have You can chip in Yeah And I thought um, What better time To bring up Krypton <laughs>
3: Yeah. Oh, God.
0: Um, Krypton. You started watching it? Uh, yes. Uh, Krypton is a new series on a channel called Sci Fi. Mm-hmm. It takes place on a aforementioned planet approximately 200 years before the birth of Carl yeah. L. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and the eventual destruction of the planet. La. It kind of focuses on his grandfather, Seg L, mm-hmm. who receives a mysterious warning from an Earthman called Adam Strange. Uh, someone is attempting to change the course of history to make sure Superman never exists. Mm-hmm. And that someone is somehow connected to Brainiac. Uh, Brainiac is uh traveling the galaxies and the universe, kind of collecting cities as he's known to do, and uh, Kendos- yeah. yeah, and City yeah. is next uh. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So basically, this person is kind of manipulating uh, events so that he collects Kandos City and Superman is never born. Uh. Oh wow. uh, And it's a race against time to to ensure the the future of Superman and the future civilization their own civilization uh. Yeah. Um. So I went into Krypton, uh, a bit apprehensive mm-hmm. because uh, DC prequels like uh, say Gotham. Oh. Or small two, they basically just uh name their show after a location yeah. and then <laughs> just say that this is a show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so I was very ready not to like it. Uh huh. But right, upon watching the pilot, right, it's actually quite fantastic. Uh. Yeah.
3: The okay. pilot is
0: amazing. Okay. I, I'm I'm not gonna say the show is great.
3: Yeah. It's the just the pilot. pilot. Okay. Okay. But the
0: pilot has uh, incredible it's its world building is quite incredible. Okay. Right? okay. I was so into it. Um admittedly I'm just gonna warn again Is might be a shit show in the end, but for now it's good. Uh.
1: But the pilot uh, was know. quite good. Well, okay. we'll give it a chance. We'll give it a shot. Yeah,
0: um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, uh they did a good job of getting me hooked. Uh, the shadow of Superman looms mm-hmm. large, obviously, but it isn't his story at all. It's about a planet, its politics, its culture, its people, uh, and that's that's what really uh hooked me onto it. The expansion of Kryptonian society is fantastic because we've only ever seen the elites of the military mm-hmm. or the science guild before. Yep. But what about the poor people, or the working class, or the yep. ones that work in the factories? You know uh, what are uh, the the class is uh, a lot of the stories about class warfare also mm-hmm. the poor versus the rich, the have versus the have nots. Um, everything is presented, uh, everything presented from the characters to the political intrigue, to the family dynamics of uh, the L, the House of L. Uh, to the traditions, to even the love stories or the love triangles were all very compelling. Uh. So they built really, really good characters. In one episode. In one episode, yeah. What the hell? Uh what I liked most about the plot line was this kind of religious revolution kind of taking over Krypton. Yeah. A uh-huh. bit like the Iranian revolution, sort of. Uh there's uh this kind of uh, extremist Rao followers yeah. who kind of took over everything and uh discarded science. Uh, sick sick own on uh, grandfather, a scientist was executed for his uh, heretical scientific findings. Uh, <laughs> basically, he found out that there were other beings in the universe that were intelligent, so that's her- heretical. Uh, and okay. then he found out about Brainiac coming to them. Nobody okay. believed him, and he was executed for it. Uh, a bit, a bit like Copernicus, you know. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, his warnings were not heeded. Correct, correct.
0: Uh, sick hell himself has to deal with his lowly Wait, station. His name with. is uh, Sec Sec L, yeah. Sec like uh, Sec. Uh, was like CQ. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a different L story. <laughs> it but it is a, a bit of a, a fascist milis- mil- militaristic society uh-huh. that is quite reminiscent of Nazi Germany, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyways, um, Sec Sec L uh-huh. has to cope with his lowly station in life because House of L is stripped of his rank and power uh-huh. after his grandfather was uh, was executed, la. And then at the end of the pilot, even his own parents, his mother and father, were executed in front of him. Okay. So that gives a lot of narrative drive to, mm. to the show. Uh, so it's up to him to figure out Brainiac's plans with the help of uh, Adam Strange, mm-hmm. who is the time traveler from Earth. Uh, plus there's also the larger story of how Superman comes to be. And eventually after the season 1 threat of Brainiac is done. is done, right? I mean the larger story is Zack L. Mm. knowing what's going to happen to his plan. It has to let it happen for the good of the galaxy for Superman to be born. And, mm. and it's kind of a tough pill to swallow for this character, like, although we only need him as a teen at this moment. Mm. Uh, plus, intriguingly, his girlfriend and pilot, uh, played by Georgina. Shit, I forgot her name. It's uh, okay. But she's the girl from Hang the DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, oh, okay. That okay. Right, episode. Right, right. Uh, and she also plays Barbara from an Electric Dreams episode called Impossible Planet. Mm, so she's okay. uh, like pretty much sci fi anthology royalty. Yeah. <laughs> this particular girl. She plays uh, his girlfriend. Uh, who intriguingly has the surname Zod, so that's probably gonna be complicated. Damn. Complicated maximum. Yes, yes. Uh, so it's it's all very intriguing. Um, I'm I'm gonna give the show a chance. The pilot was a strong eight out of ten, but the yeah. show itself might might falter afterwards. We'll see what they do with it, lah. Uh, let's move on to a show called Counterpart. This is Yeah, my, this one what's this about? This right. is this is my favourite show uh of I would say twenty eighteen. Uh-huh. And or at least my favorite genre show of twenty eighteen, I mm. think uh, it's just this this is a spy craft show. Okay, it's it's wonderfully enigmatic. It's a Kafka esque espionage thriller that evokes the Cold War, mm-hmm. but with very different stakes. There. it's a spy drama about diplomatic relations between okay. alternate universes. Wait, what? Yeah. So How long? How how far into it is it? Uh, this, the first season will wrap up next week With the finale Ooh, But I've seen most of the first season I uh, want I to watch, watch this, this now and, and I love it um, So what happens is 30 something years ago uh-huh. There was an unexplained incident uh-huh. uh, That uh, led our universe to be duplicated <sighs> So everything before that happened Both universes have the same history But after that happened uh, After the du- duplication school changes happened lah yeah, between yeah. universes and then these minicules changes have ripple effects mm. so after 30 years the worlds are, are yeah, different very time, different uh, yeah. with different politics and different societies and stuff like that uh, the timeline grows more and, more and more more and more disparate la. from big things like we'll just call it Earth 2 la. we'll use the DC mm. name like for example in Earth 2 there was a plague that wipes out 20% of the population but in Earth 1 uh, in F1, it never happened. Or even yeah. small things like in F2, uh, David Bowie is still alive. And everything, music, and small things like that. <gasps> um, one of my favourite scenes. He didn't die in the plague. He didn't die. Uh, yeah, yeah, he didn't die in the plague. David hmm. Bowie. <laughs> um, so what, one of my favourite scenes Actually This is a little small scene mm. Basically there's A customs office In this underground tunnel mm. And only very specific people Can cross between both worlds uh, Diplomats uh, Diplomats Basically yeah. to, to Negotiate shit, shit, uh. Uh, Trade deals uh, Government officials uh. mm. So one of these diplomats When he was crossing Through the customs right, He mm. had uh, David Bowie's New album oh. uh, From Earth 2 And then he was arrested And uh, I we don't see it uh, But apparently he's, He will be executed uh, Because you know What if David Bowie's new album Falls into the wrong hands In our world mm. you know. <laughs> It's, it's gonna, it's it's gonna, break the wall. It's gonna, it's gonna break people's minds yeah. like, basically. So they want to keep this a secret, lah. Uh, so the crossing is this underground bunker in Berlin, and it's top secret. Must be Berlin, huh? Yeah, it must be Berlin. Uh, cause you know, uh, yeah, Cold War allusions. Yeah, la. La, yeah, la. It's cool, but it's also very mundane because it's just like another customs office. If you ever been to a bus terminal or an airport terminal, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like that, la. It's exact. It's just like that. It it's oh. it's so mundane. La. I love it, lah. And only approved de- diplomats can cross over. So sometimes they have trade deals. Like for example, right. Um, Let's say Earth 1 has found an untapped reserve of oil hmm. uh, Then they can trade the GPS coordinates hmm. And Earth 2 has uh, found a cure for AIDS, for example And then they can, and then, the and then they can, they can trade over okay, okay. Uh, Stuff like that, so it's intriguing la. But underneath the diplomatic relations There's yeah. also the spy games going on between mobiles mm. And the spy games is what I love about it la. Because it's uh, it's actually more like the Americans than it is anything else. Because oh, it really, it really focuses on the. Which sp- you really like. Yeah, it re- it really focuses on the spy crafter, uh. hmm. like um, I mean, even like small things. Like for example, when a spy rummages through a closet or rummages through a drawer, yeah, yeah, yeah. They always have a polaroid with them so they can take a picture of it before, yeah. so they can put everything back together, yep. Or little things like yeah. that, or just the little clues or like things like dead drops, yeah. uh, coded messages on the phone. Yeah. It's very very old school spy stuff, like. I like it. Yeah. Uh, it's a very complex story, but uh, it becomes more linear towards the end. You start, I mean, once you start figuring it out, it will blow your mind. Oh you know? shit, okay. Basically, there's a terrorist organization in Earth 2 that believes that Earth 1 caused the plague. Oh... Uh, we actually don't know whether Earth 1 did cause the plague or not. Okay. We're under the assumption they didn't. Uh, yeah. But in the end, it doesn't matter because they're planning something yeah. to retaliate against Earth 1. Okay. So what they've been doing over the last 30 years is planting moles in Earth 1 in, in high-ranking government uh, official positions. Mm. Like for example The the head of the military or whatever They basically kidnapped him, killed him Then replaced him with With his ex- counterpart With his counterpart Therefore yeah. the name counterpart Yes right. Okay right. Uh, right. So the, the the main trust of the show Centres around J.K. Simmons uh-huh. uh, He is one such agent uh, And they basically cross over into each other's worlds To mm-hmm. spy on to spy on each other And it's kind of like a masterclass Of acting from J.K. Simmons Because He plays the, two different characters Two different characters Who are essentially the same but they're like nuances it's not like how uh, not often black kind often black where the differences are so huge yeah yeah, yeah, but jk simmons subtle there there is no like one guy doesn't have a goatee and the other guy has hair (laughs) or one guy like dresses differently they both dress the same but you can always tell who is who oh that's interesting and and it's very nuanced you can always tell by how he slouches or the expressions that he makes it's it's very small things and jk simmons doesn't overplay it Mm. and that's why i've never quite seen anything like this you know, in other shows with clones or duplicates or yeah, AMBs yeah. or whatever, it's always very big differences, yeah. different hairstyles or whatever. Like I, Zombie. Yeah, uh, but J.K. Simmons is so good. I mean, he is an uh, Academy Award nominee, right? Correct, uh, correct, correct, yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's fantastic stuff. Um, Counterpart is a 10 out of 10 show. Okay, I'm definitely watching it then. Highly recommend it. Uh, another thing I would like to talk about is Wolverine the Long Night. Yes, what's this? Wolverine the Long Night is an audio podcast on Stitcher. Yeah, uh, who's it voiced by? Ooh, Richard Armitage that plays uh, excellent plays, yeah. uh, plays Logan. Um, so it hasn't actually finished. The, sh- the show is yeah. done on its fourth episode right now. Okay, mm-hmm. but I'm loving it so far, la. It's kind of a bold new experiment for Marvel to go into the Audio. podcast, yeah, yeah, the podcasting realm. Uh, and the story isn't so much an X Men story as it is a murder mystery. Mm. Uh, the investigation angle makes it feel like a true car- a true crime podcast like Serial or S-Town okay. But its mood is a mix of uh, True Detective Season 1 and Twin Peaks wow. uh, It's dark, somber, eerie and at times quite surreal um, Although it's named after Wolverine, the story actually follows a pair of FBI agents mm. who are hunting a killer After uh. a massacre on a ship in Alaska um, The clues and circumstantial evidence point to Logan, obviously Why? He's the prime suspect and he's like the new guy in town, he's hero yeah. he's weird uh he's aggressive. So I mean people tend to suspect him la. But at the same time there's there's more at play here. La. There's there's a lot more at play. Um Wolverine only comes into the story through second hand accounts. Mm. So through interviews. Oh, yeah. Basically uh, I interviewed this witness or mm. I interviewed And then la. they talk about Wolverine. They talk about Wolverine and that's how it comes in. Okay. So it's only that of flashbacks and uh, as the agents go around town questioning people. La. So the investigation kinda leads the agents to uncover a lot of interesting things about the stuff like it's dark underbelly. Um like there's the night worshipping cult. Hiding out in the woods do they have something to do with it do they not uh, so they're trying to figure that out there's also a powerful uh, fishing family um, yeah. who with shady secrets that yeah. they're trying to find out small town police corruption uh, and and I really like how they do non-linear narratives also yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. difficult because for example um, the two FBI agents are assigned a local liaison a small town cop to follow them around like. mm. but then in one of the episodes the small town cop is relating to their boss who may be corrupt yeah. and trying to cover something up like. So the whole episode is about the the small-town cop telling what happened in the first two episodes. But then at the end, as the as the audio begins to crackle, you start to realise that, that the FBI agents were actually bugging him and they're listening to his conversation. Oh, that, shit. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, them discussing how do they play this. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um. In, in large part, The Long Night is a kind of a classically constructed radio drama. Yeah. Um. It's elevated by a lot, by excellence on design. It's very, very immersive. It really makes you feel like you're in the woods or you're in a car or you're I in a really hotel room. It's just uh, like little things like that. Like For example, if you're in an hotel, you can hear the ice machine outside. And stuff. Yeah. It really puts you in that frame of mind. Okay. Mm. Uh, but be, but you can't be doing anything else while you're watching this. Though. Mm. Because uh, you need to you need to let the imagery and the words and, your and the wish. vocabulary okay. like go into it. Uh, so you can't be like, um, uh, I don't know, doing your... Uh, you can do stuff like doing your laundry or stuff like that, mindless stuff. But you can't be, uh you know, checking Facebook or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So basically, just like sit. if you have a long bus ride, this should be it. Uh, yeah. Um, Is it on Spotify? It's on Stitcher. On oh, Stitcher. Yeah. Um. It it really deans uh, it, it leans deftly into natural atmospherics, kind of like you know, like letting the wind and the wilderness do a good deal of scene setting, shall we say? Okay. Uh, plus it's a supremely competent direction by Brandon Baker and Chloe Presinos. Uh-huh. uh really, puts you in the location without seeing it. Okay. Uh, I myself, I, all three of us, we didn't grow up in the era of radio dramas, but know. I'm starting to appreciate how difficult it is to construct something that is immersive. Yeah, with uh, just sound. With, with just sound, uh, exactly. Uh, um, the scenes move breezily, the listeners are kept effectively grounded, uh-huh. and the action is uh excellently communi- excellently communicated with good vocabulary. Okay. Uh, all that I want in a radio drama. This is a uh, eight out of ten for me. Nice. We'll definitely catch it Yes uh, The next thing I want to talk about Is uh, Well actually the last thing On Quick Hits Is a zombie movie Called The Cure uh-huh. uh, This is intriguing Because it's a political thriller, More of a political allegory Than a zombie movie like. Okay Like all good z- zombie movies Well I, at least like The ones that I've seen Like the Romero stuff mm. They deal with politics Allegorically mm. But The Cure Chooses to tackle Its issues directly mm. It's set in Ireland, and um, this is David Friend's, uh directorial debut. It deals with the reintegration of cured zombies into society. Mm. Um, after this is post post-apocalyptic, yeah, yeah, after yeah. the outbreak already, so somebody's developed a cure. So it's basically like truth and reconciliation for the undead. Yeah, you know, like after what happened with. Uh, truth and reconciliation for those who don't know is what happened in South Africa after yeah, apartheid After apartheid, but it's also reminiscent of the IRA pyra- paranoia during the Troubles because yeah. it's set in Ireland yeah. okay. um, so the ex- ex-zombies ex are treated with fear and suspicion they, they face discrimination in the workplace yeah. they're abused in the streets but with good reason because the unaffected survivors have they vivid have tra- traumatic memories of this shit yeah they have vivid experiences of these people literally eating they their yeah, friends and yeah. family yeah. Yeah. so I mean they have every reason to fear them uh, uh. But at the same time, f- but the worst of all, the killed actually retain their memories oh as zombies. Right. So they remember wow. all the shit they Yeah, made. so they, it leaves them the guilt, shame, and trauma of it. Well, their life sucks, man. Yeah, uh, but the fear and suspicion on both sides, it leads to resentment. Yeah. And resentment like that leads to radicalization. Mm. So the idea of this story is actually a terrorist story. It's about zombies trying to strike back trying to fighting for their rights. Uh, uh, in a post post zombie world. Uh. I kinda of like this now. Post, yeah. Post zombie world. Um the film's i ide- the film's ideas are incredibly smart. The mood is like nervy intense, more like a political thriller than a zombie movie. Uh. And the acting is top notch. Ellen Page in particular is quite remarkable. Uh. Oh she and zombies always go together? Uh yeah. Not movie, but Last of, she was of in Us. Last of Us. Oh right, 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 yeah. But, but unfortunately, um, the cure does falter because it values concepts oh, okay. over character. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it talks a lot about the treatment of refugees, um, immigration, rehabilitation mm-hmm. versus punishment, mm. uh, and the sy- cyclical problem of radicalization and discrimination. Mm. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing. La. They're radicalized because they're discriminated against, but once they turn radicals, they'll be discriminated yeah, okay. against anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No matter what, it's a vicious cycle of unending violence. Correct. Like, it's, it, it's very grounded in a real world like that. Yeah. but. Its characters are just kind of mouthpieces for ideas and they're right. undeveloped as characters in general. That's yeah. the issue. That's the issue. Because at the end of it, it turns into a zombie movie. Oh. I mean, in the end, it becomes uh, it action oriented and it's horror oriented in its climax. Okay. But once it comes to life and death situations like that, when it's just pure mayhem, no more metaphor, just mayhem, mm-hmm. you need to care about whether these characters survive or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the third climax, you will find, right, that you don't care about any of them. That's said- yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it, it's a very smart film that's just like kind of. It it comes too wrapped up in his ideas to do everything else that's necessary for storytelling.
1: Huh.
0: It feels more like an essay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay than okay. a movie.
0: So I mean I I I liked it overall. It's it's like a six out of ten, it's a pass. Okay. I, I love the ideas. Yeah. I hated the characterizations. Okay. Well I can't hit zero characterizations though. Yeah, I hate yeah. that there was no characterization. Okay. Yeah. Um so that was it for quick hits. Uh let's talk about some movies uh that, that you all watch? Yeah, that, that we've seen. Um, let's talk about the, ad- the newest adaptation of Tomb Raider. Oh. No, no, we're not talking about the Angelina Jolie one. We're talking about Alicia's Big Ender's uh, yeah. new version of Tomb Raider. Yeah. Uh, myself and Isa have seen it. So, uh, what do you think of the new Tomb Raider, Aisa? Uh, uh
1: I thought it was a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall. Uh, I thought it 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 kind of tried its best, right? To pay homage to like, this entire Tomb Raider legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do like the, the fact that it uh, kept closely, you know, there were a lot of like, camera things that they did, and, uh, which really, really felt, very reminiscent of, The Rise of the Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, the yeah, reboot, the, right? the reboot, the rebooted game, which I really loved, and yeah. I played a, a number of times, I mm. it, that, that was one of the, uh, the games that kind of herald in the new era for for um you know genre uh the Tomb Raider kind of like genre okay. of game
0: the action adventure
1: the one. action adventure thing yeah. yeah and I I I really did like that but that being said the bar for video game movies is very low extremely low yeah. so this is a good video game movie lah and this is a decent movie. But, but it the is best, the best, best video game, video game, game movie, movie ever made
0: so um you have to uh kind of qualify that statement the best ever video game movie by understanding how low the bar is yeah uh, you it's have a to decent to movie la. yeah, yeah. to make which like you say, okay movie by default is the best video game movie yeah. ever what i personally loved about this was that it it's a game uh, sorry it's a movie that is made for the game playful. So. Yeah, that is, It yes, wouldn't. It, it is. wouldn't function, or you wouldn't enjoy it if you haven't played Tomb Raider or don't understand its legacy or its yes, gameplay. for sure. It only works if you have played Tomb Raider. Yeah. Um, people watching it who haven't played Tomb Raider would just think it's a possible action movie. Yeah, average exactly. But people who watch Tomb Raider will appreciate. uh sorry, who played Tomb Raider will appreciate it more. Um, from the puzzle solving elements, mm. which the movie literally stops, you know, yeah. puzzles off, and a yeah. lot, a lot of non-Tomb Raider fans find that to be um stuttering storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the narrative doesn't flow. But yeah. I, I like I like it because like, it's like a combination of, of game of cutscenes and then gameplay. Yeah. You have the puzzle solving and then you have uh, the physical obstacles. Yes. Uh, the traps, and the traps. And all that. Fans will definitely appreciate how faithful it is to replicating gameplay. are oh, the villains. Uh, uh, uh Walter Loggins is a great actor. If you've ever seen Justified, Justified. or the Shield, yeah. Yeah. he's a fabulous villain. Yeah. Uh, but it really felt like most of the actors didn't want to be there. ayo yeah. How's uh, Vikander as Lara Croft?
1: Vikander had her moments. Yeah. Uh, there are a few moments where she really did, like, she acted the shit out of it, actually. Yeah, she's the
0: only one that felt that she she took the material seriously. Everyone yeah. else was there for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Menalthy from The Wire was there as well. Oh, playing, Dominic. Playing Dominic. P- something. P- yeah, uh, playing uh, Alicia, Tomb Raider's um, Lara
1: Croft's father. Father, yeah. Oh, okay. he,
0: he, he really phoned it in. Yeah, oh, man. yeah. <laughs> like all the other serious actors, like Walton Goggins and uh, Murt Nauti from The Wire, were just burning it. Like, yeah. took mm-hmm.
1: it she took it seriously. He took it seriously, she had a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I thought the pacing was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it the... was short.
0: At least it was short. Yeah,
1: it was short. One and a half. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good time. Like on the dot, actually. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you've played Tomb Raider and Dominic especially West. sorry oh yeah Dominic West
2: yes
1: go yes. uh, yeah if you've played Tomb Raider especially uh, rise of the Tomb Raider I highly not highly recommend I recommend you watching the movie just you know it just adds to kind of like the the whole uh, legacy of, of of what Tomb Raider has been over the years mm-hmm. right uh, definitely better than the Angelina Jolie one which I feel overstretched in that it tried to cater to a mainstream audience that had no knowledge of the game that's true right so this one and kind then, of leans in
0: correct uh, the Angelina Jolie movies filled both sides yes exactly. because it was trying to be too broad yep. this one will at least please the gamers yes. at least like, it will please the hard course. Um. I mean the last thing I want to say about it is the, the biggest redeeming quality of Tomb Raider although it's just average it isn't necessarily Alicia McKenna's performance as yeah. Lara Croft. Yeah. But it's the portrayal of Ella, of uh Lara Croft yes. presentation. Okay. Yes. She is a grittier, tougher, more grounded and less sexualized than Angelina Jolie's version. Oh, that's uh, definitely. Uh, which is pretty much the biggest improvement But that's
2: where the game went also.
0: Yeah. Correct, yeah. correct. Uh so that that's that's the best part about it, lah. Uh let's talk about Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah, how uh, was this? If me okay. and Asa have seen. I'll I'll, I'll let Issa carry this.
1: Uh it's not often that you will hear set-genre equality say yeah. that a movie needs a lot less character development. It
0: really... The, the, the story really bogged it down. Uh. Yeah.
1: Like, we we are suckers for plot and yeah. good plot. Yeah. But man, Pacific Rim didn't need any of it. Yes, yeah.
2: need needed monsters punching each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. So in this case,
1: more robots punching each other. But, but still... Uh, um, overall, I enjoyed it. It was quite a ride. Mm-hmm. I thought the CG was great. I thought the fight sequences were uh, good. Um, hits you made a you made a um,
0: yeah. I, I felt observation. I felt like the best part of the the magic to me of Guillermo De Toro's version. Yeah. Was that during the fight scenes? You can It felt realistic. There was a weight to the punches, a weight to the action sequences. Where this one, it felt like it was just toys. Mm. And there was a there was an airiness to the action. Yeah, it? yeah.
1: Um, it didn't feel. I don't know if it was the fault of the sound design or whether like the collateral damage didn't feel as substantial, or maybe the fact that there was so much collateral damage. Yeah, the, that the first there one they were fighting even... in the sea yeah. and in abandoned places. Yeah. Where this
0: one you were just. Like there was this yeah, show so in, like in the city I saw in Tokyo, so there was this showy line where the kaiju's come to Tokyo, yeah. and then the control command center said, "Okay, Tokyo has been evacuated." Like in two minutes, you know, yeah. a city of a millions, city of, like, you know, 60 million people. and then was, oh, that's cool, man. it's like ripped shit apart. Yeah, like no, no, Tokyo. that's not how it works. Yeah, but at least they tried to assuage uh, us, like okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay
2: so okay, the plot like. hole covered,
0: Yeah, covered, yeah. But because this guy mentioned Tokyo has been evacuated.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like it could very well be that there's just so much sheer destruction, right? Mm-hmm. That there is no weight to every action. Like for yeah. for the first movie.
0: This um weight is all about skill. And yeah, this one the skill is maxed out immediately. Right? Yeah immediately and yeah. so there's
1: there's very little context right for, yeah. for what the you're doing. Um love the kaiju designs. Yes, I want um, to say that. The kaiju designs are much more detailed mm. uh than the first one. I was kind of disappointed with the first one. Like the level five kaiju was just like eh Yeah yeah
0: that's a level five. Uh, yeah. Eh. So uh
1: yeah. this time round I thought that was a lot better. Mm. Um, yeah,
2: okay, okay. And the, how about the, the
1: back suits? Oh, ah, I actually did quite like the tech. The yeah. tech was very impressive. I mean, there was some, some like, obviously, <laughs> tier 2 <laughs> designs. <Yes. laughs> uh, but man, uh, Saber Athena, favourite. It, it
0: to me also <laughs> stands out that although I like Stephen Knight as a writer, director or showrunner, um, he he made his bones on TV and there mm. were a lot of parts of Pacific Rim Uprising that felt like TV.
1: Yeah. Oh, um, that's Specifically,
0: true. its climax which ended too abruptly. It felt like a third act of a 42-minute TV show rather than a, a movie. So if they wanted to make Pacific Rim Uprising into a TV series? Uh, the budget would be a bit much. Yeah, I like, know. Yeah, animated though. Animated. Animated Animated though, though. It would then
1: yeah, then I would. Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah. I would watch that. Because then, then maybe like, we have some... We can afford some yeah, space for characters. Because right. I feel
2: like Pacific Rim... Mm, is that kind of like perfect for a uh, animation for series?
0: Um, Pacific the Magic of Pacific Rim one, a Toro's one, was that it was a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And it made no bones about it. Like this is yeah, a cartoon. Yeah. Right? a Cartoon. Yeah. Um, the problem with Pacific Rim uprising was that they actually tried to integrate the story yeah. and, uh, a story and a surprisingly complicated plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there were a lot of details to the plot, and a lot of the first forty minutes of it was plot driven. Wow. Uh, and I was like. Where are the robots? Yeah, no, I mean, initially I was like, oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Wait, are you trying to develop a character? Who needs mm. this? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Let's get to the punching. Yeah. This so is the, it, the point of the movie. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever rebelled against, oh my god, you're developing a character? No. <laughs> this, is, this is not what it made made the first movie magical. I think
1: there was this point in time where the major plot twist of the movie comes out, right? And yeah. he and I look at each other and we're just like, Oh my god Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I I did kind of enjoy that they, they subverted expectations and then yeah. the, the villain of Pacific Rising was a human. Yeah. Rather than a kaiju. Yeah. Uh so at least it's a bit different like in different shapes and stuff. That way I mean I saw the the trailer there were like robots fighting robots. Correct, 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 correct. Uh it was basically some of the the systems that had been taken over mm. uh, so, so were,
1: the virus. Kinda, something. Kind
0: of, something kind like, of. I, I if you want, if if you are planning to watch Pacific Rim Uprising, the spoiler that we're talking about is yeah. a bit too major to review. Yeah,
1: so okay. we're we're gonna kind of skip that. And in any case, like uh, not important to kind of like what we want to say. Is it recommended? <laughs> uh,
0: it's a six out of ten for me. Yeah. Okay. So you, it's a pass.
1: Yeah, it's a six out of ten for me. I mean, like if you love if you love Max and you love Kaiju, then watch it. You okay. know? Just just for the the visual um appeal of it. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: I will say though that he has a lot of better acting and dialogue than the first movie.
1: Yes. Uh, John
0: Boyega is heads over heels better than Charlie Hunnam. Mm. Uh, I Charlie Hunnam. I mean...
2: No lah, no, but he's not, yeah, 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 I get it Yeah,
0: uh, John Boyega is just more charismatic He yeah. is la, he is uh, It's just a bit weird that uh, Pentecost, I guess Idris Elba yeah. um, Never once in the first movie mentioned, mentioned he had his the son An adult son Yeah, and the adult he, son. yeah the do- he adopted, you know, the fucking Asian yeah. child oh, yeah, he And did then he do. had this other, like, black, a literal black kid, you know, that he just never acknowledged at yeah. all yeah. yeah I think he's trying to He was an absent black father Dude, I think he was trying to run away from the, from the checks, you know Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh my yeah, God. From, from the child support yeah. He went to another fucking dimension to run away from the child support Oh my god, he's a oh, he's a Hampton Black father. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, you will cancel the apocalypse to avoid child support. Get... <laughs> yeah, uh, that that was weird, la. But uh, I think acting and dialogue or in it was not bad. Generally better. Yeah, than yeah first one. generally
1: better. Okay. It was it was refreshing to hear Bodega in his, his native uh, accent. Mm. Um, he wasn't playing Finn, which is what I like. Yeah. yeah, he's very different. From yeah, it was so very different. From English, Finn. His
0: English accent was stronger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess uh, we've run a bit long uh, this week So let's wrap up with uh, I purposely left this to last Because it's, it's mm. uh, <laughs> this is a strong this recommend unrecommended. This is a 3 out of 10 for me And it is a Ava DuVernay's adaptation of Madeleine Engels' book A Wrinkle in Time um, I'm, You're a bit a, sad, right? I'm a bit sad I'm a big fan of the book I, I grew up reading A Wrinkle in Time mm. uh, One of the first tattoos I wanted to get Was from A Wrinkle in Time But mm. I got something else lah. Uh, So it's a book that meant a lot to me as a kid And meant, still means a lot to me as an adult I, at the same time I'm also a big fan of Eva DuVernay. Mm. Uh, I love Selma. I love yeah, her I love the documentary. Thirteen. Yeah. Uh, she's one of the the best young African American filmmakers out there, Um, similar in ilk to Ryan Coogler, you know, one of those visionary yeah, yeah, yeah. directors who have been nominated for Oscars before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a very well intentioned, good hearted, noble movie in terms of its uh what it wants to do. Mm. uh portray diversity. Uh, it's casting uh, st- stories about uh, children mm. uh, overcoming uh, overcoming obstacles and mm. stuff like that la. It's it's a very good-hearted movie la.
3: Mm.
0: I admire the effort and its intentions, but it's still an incoherent mess. Uh, yeah. it's uh it's cheesy and emotionally unengaging, and filled with unlikable protagonists, including its main protagonist. Mm. It's dazzling at times. Uh, there's a sense of wonder I enjoy sometimes. It's mm-hmm. translated well, but clumsily. Oh, yeah. uh, and there are other scenes that felt that it belonged in in TV la. and I don't mean prestige TV I mean like lifetime channel oh god hallmark hallmark kind of oh, o- overly, overly bright the the, oh. c- the CG is uh, horrendous la and uh, speaking of giant kaijus uh, Oprah appears as a giant kaiju here oh. she's this uh, t- thousand god. foot thousand foot tall god Oprah uh, it's quite striking to look at her Okay. So there's an Oprah kaiju in here. <laughs> uh Storm Reed who plays the main protagonist is not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh her journey from awkwardness to self-discovery is it's kind of touching. Mm. Uh but the person who plays her brother um mm. I'm not even gonna dignify this by saying your name. You're like the worst actor I've ever seen. <laughs> what? Seriously? Yeah. The the guy that plays a brother. I mean, like the character is purposely unlikable. I understand the writing a bit lah. Why is the acting that was the bad? The acting is so uh, bad. Yeah. He is. Lit- he shouldn't. You. I'm sorry. I'm, i I know you're really young. Like you're in your pre-teens and stuff. You may. You may get better as you grow older lah. But as of now lah, like maybe go back to school la. <laughs> and, and find and find something that you're really talented in. So mean. <laughs> because no, you really have no future in acting, bro. Okay, I have to watch this now. <laughs> If because of this, this recommend I'm gonna watch A Wrinkle in Time. This is a three out of ten. There, are, there are some redeeming factors in it. Um, yeah. but you may want to watch it for how bad it is. Like, as, okay. especially this particular actor I'm talking about, mm. Stormy's brother, the, the main character's brother. Mm. Worst actor ever. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. Okay. Charlie Charlie Hunnam is like Al Pacino next to him. Fuck. <laughs> like like prime Godfather Al Pacino is Charlie Hunnam next to this kid. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not in the habit of like criticizing children now, but. <laughs> but it's not really that bad, uh. Jesus. Okay, if
2: Hijib says it's that bad, I believe him, uh. Jesus, this child, uh. <sighs> really, ah, yeah. Don't hate so much. Don't hate so much. Don't hate so much. Okay.
0: Uh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll be back. Uh. Next month. Yeah. On. Uh. Look forward on May the first. Yeah. We'll be talking about. I mean, come on. And Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll be devoting half the episode, half the episode to yeah, uh, that. Avengers Infinity yeah. War. Uh, but there's still other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. There's a horror movie I'm really looking forward to called a Quiet Place, which has been mm-hmm. the one John yes. Krasinski and uh, Emily yeah. Emily Blunt. looks movie. really good. Like, it's been getting rave reviews at some like. festivals and yeah. all the fe- the festival circuits. Uh, there's also a horror movie Shot on an iPhone Called Unseen mm. by Steven Soderbergh Which Soderbergh, Soderbergh. is getting yeah. mixed reviews But just because of its uh, Inventiveness And I want to see how a movie Shot on an iPhone Looks like on a big screen yep. mm. At least a big uh, A big genre movie yeah. I've, I've seen stuff like that Like for indie films yeah. But this isn't an indie film yeah. This is a horror movie
3: to
2: watch that too I want to see
0: how that goes uh, There's also Solo A Star Wars story yeah. Will it be a disaster Will it not be Who knows But
2: we have to watch it To find out yeah. we we'll
0: watch it Now uh, I'll be recapping Legends of Tomorrow and Black Lightning next month as well. Me too. Yep. Yeah. Uh. So we'll catch you then. So then, I'm Hinzir.
1: I'm Hardy. I'm sir.
0: Yeah. See you next month.
1: Bye bye.